show and everything. Yeah, I still got the scary German guy demo. I bet. I got, a, I got a whole bunch of tapes. People know that about me. That's what I do. You know, I still got the BioLitch demo. <laughs> ah! Come on, man. Taking it there early. Taking it there early. It's Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Tom's over there in the cut. Yep. He's got a wireless keyboard and he's got like a hospital tray from the Matrix style setup for his computers. Future analog. Two, mo two oh. monitors, like the rapper Two Chains, two monitors. Our guest in studio. We haven't had an in studio guest in a minute. Chris McCarthy. Chris, how are you, sir? Yeah, what's up, boys? Thanks for having me, man. Of course. Dude, honor sure boy. Thank you for coming. Welcome to Tom's. It's not, I have nothing to do a with this A lovely home, my yeah. head. Beautiful oh, home. Thanks, well. And a cool studio. Yeah, beautiful It's a uh, work in progress. Sick as hell. It's not even my dog. I Great dog. Oh, yeah, do you want me to, dog. I can move No, I just don't want to roll over. <laughs> Come here, dog. Big chair. Come here. Chris. Come here. All right, get comfortable. I'm sorry. Uh, for those who have been living under a rock, hmm. Chris McCarthy... Uh, of internal bleeding, we're yeah. gonna get into it um, long before all that, though. Uh -huh. Where we always go with the guests, <laughs> uh, you know, you and I go back right off. You, you cut me with the BioLitch demo right off the top. We're gonna get into that, but even before that, um, are you originally from Long Island? Are you from a musical family? Uh, yeah, grew up here, uh, East Islip, born and raised. Mm. Um, honed my chops out in Selden, though. That's where shit really started making sense for me when I met those cats. Uh, in my teenage years, um, Selden. Yeah, you know the dudes that were uh, you know ended up being in the band Revenants, and it was it was connected to the Suffocation and those guys and stuff. So that was like my, you know, my like jump to like the whole scene was connected to through Selden, thankfully. But yeah, only me and a couple other cats that started that were in that band without remorse uh, were the East Islip kids. Me, Andrew Parks, John Benessi, and uh, Matt Martins were the only cats from my school that were into Morbid Angel and Hatebreed, and you know what I mean. Like so we. You know, but we had to branch out to find other cats like that. But yeah, I grew up on Long Island my whole fucking life. Um, not really a musical family, always music being played and parents passionate about music, but nobody knows how to play instruments or nothing. Not to say I, I do or anything, but. Um, <laughs> Did you have like um, like an older cousin or just someone who was. Yes. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so I have. So, so music was always played in my house Beatles, Sabbath, Springsteen, shit like that, you know. Uh, and then I had an older cousin. This kid, Kevin Amato, he's actually a very famous uh, streetwear and like hip-hop photographer out in L.A. right now. Uh, he's very popular, he's a super popular guy. He's got a cool book out. Um, but yeah, he was like older kid that was into like Nine Inch Nails and, you know, slightly different, unaccessible music when you're in sixth grade than just Metallica. And, yeah. you know, so I was like, oh, cool, show me this and show me that. And then I had another friend named uh, Danny Centrella, his older brother, Anthony. Another kid that, like, you just, you'd walk past his bedroom, and he had every fucking poster from Napalm Death Scum to Depeche Mode to Murs Bout. Like, he had everything, and this kid was super ahead of the game, and this was, like, 95, so I, like, I had access to some weird shit super early. So, like, by the time I was in, like, fourth, fifth grade, I was already finding Frontline Assembly and, the you know, early death metal bands, Morbid Angel and shit like that, so it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so shout out to Anthony Centrella and shout out my cousin kevin for that okay and you said something important before you talked about first of all revenants fuck yeah uh r.i.p to that band very important band in the early 2000s long island death metal scene i think they just left that demo that's all they recorded right um, oh they had a full length out called uh omen of tragedy okay and then they had another ep i don't know if it got pressed but it was like a myspace era 
you know, yeah. EP that had really okay. killer production. And um, then the band kind of dissolved and like everybody kind of went and did their own thing outside of music. Everybody was really kind of more interested in their own thing. And it was over after that when they kind of, you know, went to go do their own thing. Seth went to go do MMA and Joe was really into cars and Colin was really into cars. And Mike moved to China to pursue teaching music over there. So it was wow. just kind of like just how it was. Um, yeah, man. I was thankfully enough to be in the band for like six months. And I was always like their sixth member. I was always with them on tour and I was their merch guy and the whole yeah. thing. But I, I, I did get to be in the band for a while. It was pretty cool. So, and you said Selden. Yeah. I'm getting flashbacks. If the listeners want to go back to what I'm talking about quickly, the very first time we had Chris Basile of Pyrexia on, he described um, going to high school in Middle Island, Long sure. Island. Um, Similarish area. Yeah, and being around Terrence Hobbs and Mike Smith and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and just, I just want to make the point that Selden, yeah, not, not so far away from the Middle Island area. And it's not necessarily... That, <clears throat> Respectfully, there's not a lot going on out there for a young guy getting into music. Like here in Huntington, what? you know, you had like some concert halls and stuff, but like out there, it seems a little bit like harder. Sure, as as weird as this is, there was two of the most important record stores of all time actually out there. So okay, none, none of, the, of the above. Got it. I mean, that was really like everything. Once I found out that that place existed, I'd have my I'd beg my grandmother to bring me there on a Saturday morning, drive half hour from East Islip in her little you know K car, her little Reliant K or whatever, and I'd flip through everything by fucking. Skinny Puppy album, I buy, and but then I'd also see Death Metal and Grindcore that I was never, you know, that I would have never known about otherwise. Super mm. early, you know, I remember seeing the Hate Breed and Neglect demo for like five bucks, mm. the split, you know, and being like, oh, whatever that is, this guy singing with a baseball cap, and not years later, not realizing it's the super important shit, you know, but like, but yeah. that store, yeah. super important, yeah. and another place up in the on the North Shore in Port Jeff called Music Den, and they f- had a little bit more of like the industrial and. uh like noise and experimental shit, uh, that record label Ant Zen and some other crap that like you just didn't would never find at Fye and stuff like that. That I was just like didn't end up loving the music, but I was I loved that it existed and I thought it was cool because it was another level of weird underground extremity that I was just like digging and trying to find, you know. And I also got Blessed Are the Sick there for two dollars used. Wow! So shout okay. out Music Den. I I never got out to um, Music Den about that. I didn't know about that. I got to eat my words a little bit about none of the above uh, being right in the heart of that Selden, Middle Middle Island area. I think technically it's in Center Reach. Center Reach, right the there. same yeah. thing. That's, so same. Center Reach, yeah. Port Jeff, Port Jeff Station, yeah. Middle That's all like the, the area to me. It's all you know? up, um, so, yeah. so all the Suffolk guys, they, most of them, if they didn't go to Newport, Newfield, they went to Newport. Uh, they went to uh, Ward Melville. That's where Sean Bell is yeah, from. Sean Bell yeah. is my big bro. He's my OG. He put me onto the game when I got older. You know, he discovered my first stupid high school band and went, this kid's got something. Let's keep it going, you know. Who, for the listeners, and, and, and for Tom and I, who, who is Sean Bell to the Long Island underground so, music scene? Sean Bell, um, a man of many uh, backgrounds and, you know, has handled a lot of different things. But, I mean, um, attached to the hardcore scene, attached to the metal scene. I could say uh, big name pr- promoter yeah. at heart. But also, uh, in his heyday, he was DJ. He was on Metropolis Records. He was DJ Destruct. So he was connected to the industrial scene, the goth scene. Promoter in a lot of different scenes. Um, respected in a lot of different scenes. So I ended up meeting him through... Uh, he sent my stupid high school band's website an email. Uh, so my stupid high school band, From the Ashes, sent us an email. We never got emails, you know? We never got anybody replied on the CJB page or the Hot Fire page or whatever it was. Web- I don't remember. But I was like, wow, we got an email today. Wow, somebody wants to book us in... 
Mm, Hop Hog. Let's play Saints and Sinners, you know? And we were like and a crappy sinners. band. We were in like 11th grade, you know? Yes, yeah, Saints and And we're like sinners. not good. But we were legit one of the only extreme-ish bands because everyone was either a corn band or a Nirvana band. This is 2000, you know? 2001 tops. And, uh, you know, so everyone's like a coal chamber band kind of at the time or something, you know? Right. So and right we're like the only like band that's like that... pretending to be deicide and we're like 15, you know what I mean? Right. There was like that so he was like, period oh. in Long Island history where it was like you had this like billboard influence and it kind of the hardcore scene wasn't there yet sure like, we talk a lot about like from from you know like when we were at shows and stuff like it was hot you know things were going on but there was dry times back then sure and we were like so like i said he was he sent us emails like wow you guys are cool you guys are young i can't believe you guys are making death metal you know as long as you are uh you guys want to play a show and we did he booked us at this place and all the dudes from suffocation were just chilling there and they were like, wait, how old are you guys? You know? And they were like, cool, it's pretty cool. And I, I knew then that like that particular lineup and those particular songs weren't the greatest in the world. And as we got a little better, I was able to morph that band into the band that became Without Remorse. And that was like where we sharpened it up. And was yeah. that From the Ashes? Uh, yeah, that, that band, the original band was From the Ashes. That yeah. I think is when I met you, when, yeah. when From the Ashes played shows with Biolich. Yeah, man. So we want those yeah. were like the Dying Fetus shows that we ended up having to sell 50 tickets for or whatever. Lamours. Probably at about 20 years 20, ago. Yeah, 20, 2002. Yeah. Maybe 2001 even. Jesus. Damn, man. December 20th. I remember, yeah. I still have the sticky pass. Like, it was on the back of, like, a like a door that ended up moving to, like, a, a mirror. I have I had the sticky pass forever. Like, it was such yeah. an important, but yeah, it's like, yeah. but Biolich, man, sicko fucking band. Uh, yeah. And, like, long, you guys long. were super ahead of the game, so, like, like long that being said, ago. there weren't a lot of extreme bands. Right. And we were, like, barely extreme. Like, we were just kind of doing thrash death metal, you yeah. know, with some mashi kind of parts. But we were just doing what teeth. we could. But, like. Yeah. It's definitely not. We definitely weren't a Nirvana band. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we see this band Biolich with inhuman fucking vocals and like. Uh, so back then, not a lot of drummers were able to do killer double bass. And you guys had a sick ass drummer. Like nobody figured out the technique till maybe five, six, seven, eight, ten years later. And double bass pedals were available. You guys had a dude that was able to do it super early. And like that was like. Yeah. Gold back in the day. A dude that could play sick ass drums, you know? He was something of a savant. He was something of a guy that could just study certain things. To to give you and I and I I, I like having known him and been in the band with him, this is like to give you an idea of how his mind worked. He he used to like buy and this is the early two thousands when like I don't know if eBay was around or whatever, but it wasn't as easy to do shit like this. He would buy like imported Japanese video games that were like super technical and hard, like puzzle games, and play those for his leisure. Like his mind worked in a weird way, man. And um, with <laughs> drums and music, he used to write a lot of Biolich stuff on drums first. He would record drums on a four track and then write guitar parts around what he just freestyled off of the drums. Wow. And he was on yeah, he was on some some. Weird shit, man. Um, and I, I don't, you know, substances, maybe, maybe not. I yeah, don't know, allegedly. But yeah, like, I get it. It was, Biolich was an interesting combination of people, too, man. We all were kind of, we were all from completely different backgrounds and different worlds. Yeah, I'm not sure like, if I remember the guitar player. Uh, Andrew, Andrew. He was a young guy. He was like in his early, he was like 13 or 14 when he first joined Biolich. And that Biolich was like playing live through most of his teens. He was 18 when the band broke up. And, um, the, everyone kind of met in the middle on like brutal guttural death metal but was coming from like a different type of like underground musics in a way and like dan the bass player is in miasmatic ne necrosis okay now, cool Sick. who's doing a lot they're they're they put I out see a them on a lot of flyers yeah they're doing you know shit right now um but yeah you know so it was we were kind of yeah like you know if you want to say ahead of our time we were just we we were ripping off 
bands that like wouldn't really blow. we were ripping off Demolich a few years before other people you know and other bands it was like a that. lot of years there wasn't yeah, just a few yeah. years it was super early that I was like wow this band is extreme and wow I think you guys were all cool as fuck too um, but it was like such a different thing than all the bands that were playing you know it was either like you know people don't remember a time people uh, that were where new metal was terrible you know what I mean like <laughs> you know like yeah. local new metal bands were terrible you know what i mean simply terrible of you know course what I mean? yeah and that's all there were or you were like a garage rockish kind of like um you know like nirvana i don't know i want to go out to you know keep bringing them up but like you know it, that's like the style like the, the, the you know clean guitar garage band it is yeah. fine no metal influence that, you know? that yeah. like new metal um th- that idea behind new metal it's such like that whole genre at the time it was big was such a production thing. Sure. People like would go and play in their garage, and it's like, of course, it doesn't sound like Corner Limp Biscuit. Like this <laughs> is a this is like they're yeah. behind these giant consoles and they're doing so many tricks, and it's cool, whatever. But y- you can't pull it off. It's like a producer's band first and, in and my I, head. I, so I was like I said, I found extreme shit pretty early. So by the time like Corn and Linkin Park were big, I hated it, and like I liked mm-hmm. the first Corn CD because I'm an old guy and it came out. When I was in fifth grade, and you know, you can't deny that that's awesome. But like, it didn't stick with me when I, you know, as everybody kept going that direction, I went and found, you know, Morbid Angel and you know, yeah, you know, Skinny Puppy and these other bands that I were that were just drawing me away from radio stuff. Blast I know, beats, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, you know, yep. and then Dying Fetus, boom, then that was it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's fun and it's hard as hell, and it made so much sense to me. And I'd be, of course, like. Driven to Conquer, it made so much sense. So like, I found IB Driven to Conquer era, and I went backwards to the first two albums before that. And I love them all. Like, yeah. Obviously, I love yeah. them all. Yeah. And uh, But Driven made so much sense to me, especially in a time where a lot of death metal was sloppy. A lot of death metal had a lot of like unfollowable parts unless you were a musician already. And when you're 15... It, it was before triggers were like worked out. When you're 15, Cryptopsy sounds yeah. crazy to you in yeah. 2000. Yeah. You know, until I start realizing what they're doing and I, like, I realize the magic behind it. Dying Fetus just and IB just give you, gave you the thing that I wanted. The heavy shit, the vocals, groovy parts, sicko drums, cool logos, yeah. sick merch. They deliver yeah. on all that. You check, know what check, I mean? Check, yep. Parts for me to fucking throw somebody through the merch, the merch table, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but like, you know, so that, that, made, that made a lot of sense to me. And then, then a lot of the, you know, the, the hardcore stuff, the, the hate breeds of the world, the sworn enemies, the all-out wars, irate. And then I just wanted to like mush all that together, all my favorite parts of all that together, you know. When did you yeah. first um, get into guitar, though? Like, like your interest in in uh, heavy music is pretty easy to follow based on what you said. But sure. Where does the guitar come in? Um, yeah, I guess playing old Beatles videos and stuff when I was a kid, and old Springsteen stuff, and mm. Led Zeppelin stuff. And my parents would you know play that and. You know, I think my dad bought me a guitar maybe Christmas when I was like ten years old. Oh, okay. It was like a Washburn, like a like a Strat by Washburn. It was actually a killer guitar. I don't know, I have no idea where it is right now, but it was actually a pretty nice guitar. And uh, didn't really like pick up on it, and I didn't want to take lessons, and I just kind of like fucked around with it, and I didn't get serious maybe till I was like fourteen or fifteen, and like metallica was really like you know taking over 13 14 years old sure, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. i think i can do this let's do this and, you know you figure out how to get the guitar tuned as best you could and right you sit there and you try to play along or you know, you know tablature was big back in the day too yeah that's true so obviously i mean metallica was really the reason you know i played were, guitar were you a tablet user i no, is that the uh, the automated thing that you were able to like play yeah it was like a yeah. timeline it was just all tab i mean it yeah. sounded like shit but it was a really good yeah tool i would just like... sit on my screen and scroll and i'd be like all right oh Two, one, 
three. You know, I'd play Stab It True for like an hour and a half sitting in front of my computer. My dad would be like, all right, wrap it up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm super supportive, actually. I was just, uh, my pops were always super about it. That's awesome, man. Um, so, well, you were talking about the hardcore stuff, trying to combine the hardcore and the death metal, because you've always kind of had like one foot in the hardcore scene and one foot in the death metal scene on Long Island here. Sure. Um, I love with, it all equal. It was all one thing to me. Yeah. Like, well, underground music was all one thing to me. I realized that's not like that for everybody, but, like, it was to me. You know what I mean? Like, well, especially in Suffolk, I feel like in Suffolk County, not to, not to disclude Nassau, but, like, in, or even greater, you know, New York, but there's something out here, like, you know, it's the home of internal bleeding. It's the home of pyrexia. It's the home of suffocation. Like, the death metal naturally was a little bit harder out here. Sure. You know, the, our, our backyard heroes influenced the world of harder, slammier death metal bands. So it's only right that our death metal would and our hardcore would be peanut butter and jelly mixed together well, out that's here. that's because, like, Hobbs you know? and Chris Vervelis and Mike Smith, those dudes were into Agnostic Front and Crumb Suckers and Biohazard and, mm-hmm. you know, like... But they were also into Slayer and Morbid Angel, and they wanted to do all that shit at the same time, and the best parts of all that kind of stuff. And yep, you know. So, but right there, you mentioned Agnostic Front, Crumb Suckers. That's a different generation. You were in. I'm in like the Hatebreed generation. I'm in the, you know. I'm yeah. The... Well, well, well. Fair enough. But I'm, I want to get into without remorse because we talked about from the ashes sure, evolving. Sure. You know where I'm going. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see the look. Because yeah. I'm. Because because you know we talked about evolving into with what you want without remorse to become. The guys in suffocation or at saints and sinners who are these young guys that sort of thing. I think the band started what 2004 or five. Without remorse started 2004. Uh, Matt Martins is the only other member who's still in the band with me today. But uh, again, like this was just. A, he's not a metal guy. He's not a rock guy. He was a dude who listened to. Uh, Mob Deep, and I showed him Dying Fetus one day, and he was just able to do the vocals. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so, sick. So <laughs> long, This is sick as hell. <laughs> that is so long. You know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and he has yeah. passion for it now, and he was a Metallica guy, and he loves Pantera, yeah. and he loves Sepultura. But, you know, he's not like... I know, just, you know, yeah, he's not, he's not going, he's not going to see Cavalera Brothers, or, yeah. you know, he's not actively <laughs> seeking shit out. Stuff, you know what I mean? I get it, I get it. He ended yeah. up loving a lot of the stuff down yeah. the line. You know, Irate's his favorite band probably of all time, you know what I mean? Exactly. But, like... All that stuff started making sense, so we found yeah. all the bands that were similar and adjacent to kind of what we were doing. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, without Morse, I just wanted to do... I literally, before Deathcore was Deathcore, I wanted to do Deathcore. Exactly. I wanted to do hardcore structured songs, hardcore payoff parts, with nasty, gross-ass vocals, with triggered drums, with some sick trem parts... Yeah, you know what I mean, like with the extremity and intensity of death metal, but the structure and aesthetic and payoff of killer hardcore shit. Exactly, and you mentioned irate. There's bands out there that have kind of touched on the same type of thing, um, but it was before deathcore. It was before it was like its own genre. It, it was, was like before it became that the thing that it was yeah. like a hybrid species back then. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean, and. And, you know, we're talking about the Long Island scene, talking about the the, the early 2000s without remorse. Yeah. Some of your shows got a little off, off the meat rack. Uh, yeah, man. Shows got we loved it, violent. man. We fucking loved yeah. it. We definitely yeah. we definitely encouraged it. Uh, it did get a little out of hand. It actually bit us in the ass. It, you know, helped it, it, you know, it got us banned from a lot of clubs. Mm. It got us, um, some dude from, like, Sony flew out to see us one time and it's going to sign us to, like, Sony something or other, you know, offshoot. And he was like, <sighs> He's like, that's not exactly the fan base we're aiming for. He's like, you guys are like, it's too much for us. You know, we kind of wanted like a, a Long Island, you know, crew. A rock crowd. You know, we wanted like the, you know. Yeah. He's like, no, this is too much. We didn't know you guys had like 
gang affiliation. You know, I was like, oh, Lord in heaven. You know what I mean? So it sort of worked against us. But, you know, in the long run, I would never have traded it for another way. It's either fucking roll with us or get fucking rolled over. And um, that's how our friends felt. And, uh, you know, they, you know, if you challenged them, it probably ended up being bad. And the music fueled it. And the music made a lot of people fucking involuntarily do terrible shit. You know what I mean? Like, I hear diabetes and I'm still like, I have to hit somebody with a chair. Like, <laughs> someone has to be hit with this chair right now. Yeah, man. I don't know what to tell you. So I get it. But and like that's also what I was aiming for. At one point when I was like, oh, this is what we do, I was like, let's really fucking give them the goods. You know what I mean? It's got to feel good when you see, like, people going that crazy. It's the best feeling when somebody's viscerally reacting to something that you did, especially my dumbass did. I sit on the corner of my bed in my underwear and write a dumbass riff, and then I see somebody going through the front window of a bar after that riff, you know, live a couple weeks later, you know, like, holy crap. Uh, Great feeling, you know. I don't love seeing fights, you know. I don't love seeing people purposely fuck each other up, you know what I mean? I hate seeing girls get hit in the pit, of course, you know, but, like, if you're down there, it's fucking time, you know. It's time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it's, it's a it's a construction zone. Real man. motherfuckers only. You Put know, your hard hat on. Yeah, yeah. I I I stay towards the back. I'm, uh, I've got I'm my nose bashed in, sucking a ton of time. Back. I think yeah. it was during the red cord or throwdown. It was that show. I think it was during the red cord at downtown. I have a fucking permanently concave nose from it. You know. Yeah. But I wouldn't yeah. trade that shit with the world. You love it. You're down there. You're in it. You love it. It's definitely, and I feel like out here on Long Island, it was a big part of the culture through the 90s and the 2000s that, like, bleeds over into death metal. That's why we have, um, you know, the, the kind of slam thing going on. So, and also, at that, well, at that point, internal bleeding themselves The Outward were, to Mecca era, yeah, they yeah, were. I mean, the, the dudes really in the band young. were, mm-hmm, were mm-hmm. hardcore dudes for the most mm-hmm. part, you know, and they, you know, the dudes in the band at the time were able to uh, portray the band however the fuck they wanted at the time. And that's those were what they were, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, they were they were Queens kids and they were Nassau County kids, and you know they were death metal, but they were Nassau dudes, you know. It was and a that's, violent mentality, you know, for sure, exactly. Man. You know how it goes. Yeah, no, it, it was when it, it was real, man. And um, the songs were sick as hell. Like if the songs weren't killer, you know, people would have been able to talk shit about it. People just still don't talk talk shit about that era, but like the album still holds up and it's sick. And the shows were nuts. And Billy's drumming might have been the best ever on that album. And, like, it was just such a great, you know, bands are still trying to do that today. You know, that style, blending it together. That's perfect deathcore to me. That's death, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. The, yeah. you know, it was perfect. The, the, the hybrid of the two things that I love. Onward to Onward Mecca, to Mecca yeah. nailed it. Fucking Under, nailed it. album, man. Um, definitely, man. Uh, and so also... Um, and then I ended up being in Punch Your Face with three of the five members of that lineup. They, you know, they, you know, so there you go. Well, that's another Ben when we talk about. I, I mean, can we? I don't want to. I don't want to name the squad. I don't want to name any anybody. You know, unless, no, sure. And I'm can. not in the band, and the band's still yeah. doing their thing. And they're probably want, their next album's probably going to be sick. And I don't want to get anyone in trouble. You know, we could, you know, whatever. No, know, but yeah, their friends were all troublemakers, and yeah. I was part of the troublemakers. And there we was a lot of troublemakers, and some of those, some of the most wild shit I've seen at, a, at shows back in that era. Saints and Sinners, I definitely saw like a few chairs get thrown. Oh and fuck shit yeah, like man! That. I remember it well. Yeah, yeah. But the man. songs were sick, you know. So that's Frankie yeah. Mitz on guitar, who was a big influence on the style that I ended up honing and making the thing that is my thing that I love right now. Frankie Mitz probably top three big reasons that I do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he showed yeah. me a lot of stuff. Um, so Frankie was in Punch Your Face and he played guitar on Onward to Mecca. And um, yeah, his style, his influence just really was fucking huge for me. And it still is. The way he structured songs, the way he fucking takes a riff and does it three or four different ways. It's the fucking guy. That's my guy. 
this this is important too for listeners our patreon listeners i did a whole episode on kind of like the the that era and back of internal bleeding with some of like the the um like i talked about matt ferrara being on that shout out maddie man i love that kid man rest in peace this is like a a build on to that yeah rest in peace to matt reputation kind of sick fucking man getting getting some um some shine nowadays you know you know like a lot of these death metal bands even ib right now like we're weirdly bigger than we've ever been or the band has ever been you know it's weird for me to say we i've been in the band for 10 years i still sometimes i forget that i'm in the band um we're definitely more relevant than we've ever been. We've got more of a reach than we've ever done. We're playing bigger shows than we've ever played. Uh, but it's only because back in the day, it was the big bands. The Cannibals got big. The Obituaries got big. And then everybody else was like, no, oh, these bands are cool. And it takes 20-something fucking years for people to go, oh, shit, I skipped this, I skipped that. Mm-hmm. Dehumanized, I skipped fucking, you know what I mean? These mm-hmm. bands that are just fucking sick that should be bigger, way bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah, and well, de- death metal as a whole is huge right now, and I think it's in a way where people are doing their homework and showing some respect for the bands from back, like you say, from back in the day that didn't get the respect due when when they were around, you know, in the in their earlier era, things like that. You know, you've seen a lot of these bands come back and they're playing bigger spots on festivals and stuff. You know, case in point with you guys. So you well, you mentioned it, two thousand what, two thousand thirteen, fourteen? You you joined Internal Bleeding? Yeah. So I um. The band itself had like a five or six year hiatus after the Onward to Mecca lineup dissipated. Uh, and then they, original dudes, or at least Prevelis and Billy and, and some ha- other ha- cats, Hobby, and Brian but- Hobby. But for some reason, Brian Hobby decided not to play his original instrument, which is in turn why I think I'm in the band right now. Uh, so, so we'll get okay, to that. Yeah. So, uh, so they came back um, in 2011. Keith DeVito from Pyrexia on vocals. Imperium. And this dude, Jay, from Queens, yeah. he was just like an old friend of the band. Jay Liff. Jay Liff. Yes, yeah, Old yeah, friend of the band who yeah. just knew he knows every fucking yeah. song on bass, so they were like, all right, cool, you're in the band, you know? And, I, I, and he's killer, killer. He played played great. He was great behind the scenes, great to tour with. They did some good shows around that era, and I do enjoy Imperium as an album. It's, it's definitely... I do. I listen back to it. There's parts that I fucking love. There's parts that I change. There's some things that I do, but it is sick. And it, Billy, that, like I said, Billy's drumming is sick as fuck on it. It um, is. I played a couple of riffs on that album behind the scenes. I'm not in the picture. I'm not on the lineup, but uh, I am a. I did track a couple of guitars in the, in the studio. Yeah. Okay. So you weren't like really officially in the bed. That was that kind of like your segue. So into... that was actually after the. So that was okay. So. <laughs> okay, so January 2013, I'm sitting at work. We should go back to Sean Bell. Uh, he's IB's original merch guy during their heyday, during their big touring yes. era, 96, okay. 97, 98 er, touring era. And he's my current boss. He's my, he's my best friend. He's my, he's my my mentor. He looks over at me. He goes, hey, man, Chris Prevelis just texted me. He said, ask Chris McCarthy if he wants to play uh, for IB uh, in Canada in a few months. Brian can't get over the border or whatever it is, or he can't take off from work or whatever. I was like, oh, sick, you know what I mean? Hell yeah. I was like, that's sick as fuck, man. Uh, yeah, tell him I'll say what's up, or tell him I'll text him you know, tomorrow, we'll figure it out. I was like, cool. So boom, boom, boom I started talking to Prevelis again. We're, we're friendly, we've always been friendly going to shows, and I've always looked up to him as like a dude that I, I love his fucking music. And... But we're not like, you know, bros, bros yet, you know. Uh, but, but we're friendly, we've always been friendly. And uh, yeah, and he's like, oh, hey man, what's going on, dude? But he's like, uh, he's like you know, Guy Marche... Uh, I mentioned a guy, Marche, that, you know, I uh, needed a guitar player fill-in. He said, how about McCarthy? I just saw Without Remorse the other night, and they were fucking sick. So shout-out Guy Marche, Suffo IB, Pyrexia. Hell yeah. So he gave me the in. 
And he was like, yo, I just saw McCarthy play guitar the other night. He, he got mad good. You should ask him. I was like, oh, cool. He's like, so then I followed up with Sean Bell to see if, you know, you're a you know, reliable dude. And he said, yes. He's like, do you want to come and learn a bunch of songs? He's like, we got a show in, not Toronto, what's the other, uh, Montreal in March or whatever it is. And this is like January. He's like, can you learn eight, ten songs or whatever? I was like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. Passport's all good, no problem. So I start learning the songs. And, like, a week later, I got arrested smoking weed in New Jersey. Oh. Yeah, and I had a big-ass bag of weed in my fucking backpack, too. No. Yeah. So, boom, done. Toast. Probation for, like, six months. No traveling. No getting over the border or whatever. Thankfully, I only got six months probation. No way I fucking worked it out. But a ton of money down the drain. I'm sorry. Quick quick question, because I... I over 10 years ago, I did have a, a, a DUI at one point. I've been through that process. Sure. When you get busted in Jersey and you got to be on probation, what, do they, like, transfer it to Suffolk County? or? Um, They made what, it what? so difficult that I really only had to, like, pee once at uh, a que- uh, Quest, Quest Lab, Lab or whatever oh, okay. out All here, right. and they sent the results. And thankfully, I knew somebody at the Quest Lab, so my friend Josh was able to urinate <laughs> for me a few times, which was really neat. Legend. <laughs> uh, so, I, listen, I tried to stop and smoke weed for, I think, 68 days, and I was still pissing dirty. That's how much weed I've smoked in my life that I like. Damn, dude. I, okay. You know what I mean? Like, I have weed. I am weed. You know what it's I mean? Like, t- it's simply what? Like, four weeks? I mean, four weeks, you know, it was yeah. just still... Dog. I, all right. It's I am weed. So I was like, I somebody's got to piss for me, dog. You know, <laughs> I got. I'm going to fuck. I'm never going to be able to play another no show in my life. No fucking way, dude. Not to not to cut you up. Yeah. yeah. When I, I when I had to go on probation, this is many many years ago. Um, I, I had to I quit smoking weed for the to, to, so I could pee clean and so I wouldn't have to get you know fuck up my probation. I was pissing dirty three months. Three months? Dude, that's 90-something days. Yeah. But you know what it is? I think when you're a big dude, you yep. retain that it's shit just in part your of system. Me. It's part of me. And I had to lie. <laughs> this lady, she was a real nasty lady, this this probation lady. And she would not believe. I said, I said, miss, I, I, you know, officer, I... It's been three months. I have not. She said. She said. There's no way. It's, you know, this is out of your system in 30 days. It's been three months. I and she said, "Tell me what happened now. Or I'm going to violate you right now." And like she was threatening to like put me in cuffs right there. I had to make up a story of like hitting a joint on a camping trip or something with my girlfriend and like apologize for it <laughs> to like psychologically go home that day. And she en- and she ended up like buying that and feeling like she had power over. It was such a fucked up trip because yeah, in reality, sucks, I did man. quit smoking weed. No, it's, all right, all right, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. it's real, dude. So I was yeah. like, oh, this sucks. So I think my friend to piss for me. That worked out good, but I still wasn't able to go over the border in time, so I couldn't go to that fucking show. And Prevelis was pissed. He wasn't like pissed, pissed, but he was like, dude, you know, he's like, yeah, man, well, I, you know, I thought you were a fucking reliable, dude, man. What the fuck? All right, whatever. We're gonna play this a four piece, I guess. Sucks. See you around. I was like, oh, no. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I love IB. They're pissed at me now. That sucks. Mm, that burns, man. Uh, March comes. No, May comes around. He goes, yo, man. He's like, uh, Brian can't play this weekend of shows. You want to play fucking four shows this weekend? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. So it was like, you know, Jersey, Boston, Connecticut, some shit like that. And the shows went great. We had a blast. I had a fucking blast playing with Billy. It was like fucking awesome, dude. Hell yeah. And uh, that was that. And then there was a few more over the course of the next few months that Brian couldn't do. Brian had like an electric, uh, electrical union gig or some shit. And he like just can't really get away for more than a day at a time, you know. And they're starting to get mad offers, you know. And they want to do these big tours or whatever. Or, yeah. Know, two, three weeks at a clip and Brian can't do them. So now they're coming up. I'm like, boom, I got all, I got an offer to go. So I went to Europe with them at the end of the year. We went to fucking uh, South America. It was fucking awesome, you know. Like all this cool shit. And then, um, I hope I'm not rambling. Is this, this is good. You're no, supposed to ramble. Good, good, good. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. This is your job right now. All right, all right, all right. I don't know if I was, you guys were lo- I was yeah. losing you guys. Yeah. No, no, Fuck but. In. So, yeah, so I went to South America and shit, and uh, 
I'm playing a lot of shows, and it's like it's fun as fuck, and it's like mm. finally like the thing that I want to do because without Morris didn't let me do uh, it. Yeah. I mean, not that it didn't let me; it's just I didn't have the opportunities like I have with IB right now. So I'm loving it, and um, MDF is coming up, and Knotfest, the actual Knotfest with Slipknot is coming up with wow. you know, and Brian's like I'm gonna play those, and I'm like, dude. I just played like 60 shows last year for you guys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you're going to play the two sickest ones? I was like, so I kind of like, I'm not a strong arm guy. I'm not an ultimatums guy, you know? But like, I also like, this is probably my only chance to like, maybe get to the next level and see this mm. shit. I was like, so I told the guys, I was like, IB, I was like, this is what's up, man. I was like, you guys know how sick we are when I'm in the band. You guys know how tight I play. You guys know what kind of reach I have because of, you know, the connections I already have and shit. You know, I'm a fucking road dog. Uh, I figure it out you know what i mean like i want to play these shows or else i can't help you guys anymore you know like that's just kind of how it is and they're like yeah. oh well they kind of had to, had to talk with brian and he was just like yeah i get it i guess i get it you know i can't i'm not trying to hold you guys back i'm glad that the you guys logistics are back. you know yeah the logistics of everyone trying to do it man dude this is important so it's tough because brian was yes. an og in, in the band but like great guy he also I, decided to come back bass player yeah. for 20 years of the band yeah I came love back brian. as the guitar player for whatever reason yeah not sure why i don't I actually don't know why i don't know why fine bass mm. player should have just been the bass player probably would yeah. have still been the bass player don't understand don't understand why he chose the guitar um mm. but this i kind of had to give him the ultimatum i was like that's so that's that and they kind of like you know texted me a week later and they're like, yeah, you got four out of five votes here in the band. You know, it's like, I wonder who it was. It was Keith. I think it was Keith. Didn't want me in the band. Uh, that's fine. Hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I fucking they're like, yeah, majority rules. You're in the fucking band. You know, and I was like, holy shit. You know, and even Brian understood, and uh, he's been super supportive ever since. He loves what we do. He sees us live. He comes out and I saw him. You know, when, he like um, he loves it. He's fucking pumped that we're still sick and doing our thing. When Exsanguinated opened for you guys in Brooklyn, I saw Brian around over there. Man, yeah, he's he's a good guy too. I love Brian. The, the reason I say this is important. Any listeners we have that have a band themselves trying to figure out where they stand with this sort of thing, I say it all the time. Have those discussions. Think about it yourself. Do you want to go on the road? Do you want to like base your job, your day job, around going all the way on tour or not? And like, there's different paths to go. They're all respectable. But when you start getting involved with these session musicians and having a guy fill in, fill in all the time, sometimes you get to a point where you have the the quote unquote real member, the guy who plays on the album or whatever is is not even playing any of the shows you have this filling guy and it's it's just a funny position do you do you pay this guy for every single show he's playing because he's the, the quote-unquote session guy or do you like what do you do with that you know what i mean and you, in your situation yeah i mean, I mean as head. far as finance i mean yeah. yeah they always treated me like a full member before yeah. i was a full member but like you know well no I'm, I'm not trying to get in your pockets right i'm just saying i'm explaining situations i've been in with bands i've been in like these this getting people to fill in which is extremely common and kind of what you have to do nowadays but sometimes it can be murky water to navigate when you're having people in and out of your band and the quote-unquote real guy or the official member isn't playing any of the shows and things like that. It, it's, it can be, like, political almost, you know? Well, you know, I saw I saw just how it had to go down, and I was like, yeah. when the fuck am I going to play with Slipknot again? When the fuck am I going to, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, no, I got no, yeah, 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 They could have said no. They could have said fuck off. This is how it's going to be, you know? Like, I would have been fine with that, too. I, guess, yeah, that's, you know? I mean, even if it went the other way for some bizarre reason, it's like you, you stood up for yourself, and it's not that no one was doing you dirty. It's just No, and I have such a good time with those guys, out. and they knew yeah. that we, we all click and we all have a fucking blast. And, yeah. Prevelis knows what I bring to the table, and they all they all did at the time. Yeah. So before we get too far ahead, you mentioned something before I wanted to get to. John Gallagher, Dying Fetus. You talked before about 
uh, helping the guy load in stuff, getting to know him, and him actually giving you some kid, pointers. Yeah, this is pre-roll for the listeners. Yeah, so uh, let, let's get into that, man. Talk Johnny G, yeah. man, the goat, man. Yeah. Um, besides, like, Prevelis and Hetfield and, you know, like, definitely my biggest influence as far as the riff. You know what I mean? The mm. big riff. You know what I mean? I'm not a doodly-doodly yeah. guy. I never figured it out. I just, my fingers don't do the thing, you know. But um, the other part... Man, I got yeah. good at that. But it's because of John Gallagher and Prevelis, of course. But yeah. uh, as far as singing and playing, which is uh, something I love, and some people have comp- complimented me over the years on, I guess, my capabilities in that. I don't, I don't think I'm great at it. But there, the he, I was like, so when I was a kid, I was like, man, John, how do you sing and play so sick? Like, especially that kind of shit, you know what I mean? He was like, really? My right hand and my vocals are almost always doing the same thing. He's like, my left hand can do whatever the fuck it wants. But as long as my right hand is going, he's like, that's kind of like something uh, just clicked when you said that. He's I'm like, like yeah, yeah. playing back dying fetus yeah, riffs yeah. in my head, and I'm like, he's like, yeah, left hand can do whatever the hell it wants. Craziest crap in the world. He's like, but as long okay. as my right hand is kind of doing the thing that I can like, yeah, you know, do the thing. He's like, that's how my vocals are based around the right. Jeez, hand that makes so and much. I was like, fun. oh shit, that makes a lot of sense. And then I thought about backwards. I was like, that's probably like that for Metallica and stuff. Too. And I was like, boom, man, it is. Yeah, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tricks I, of the trade, man. Now everybody's gonna go home and write the sickest riffs every- <laughs> and do the sickest vocals over there. Yeah, dude. I'm gonna try as soon as you guys leave, man. Uh, wow. Um, uh, all right. So now you're officially. T- let's talk about those fests. Not fest to Maryland Death Fest. Yeah. Okay. So, that- so MDF 2015. I'd already been playing live with the band for two years at this point, and like doing fill in stuff, and it's Got been it. fun. But like that was the first big one that I was like, dude, I want to fucking play that. You know what I mean? And boom, on stage. Keith goes, yo, our new official motherfucking guitar player, Chris McCarthy. He got a big-ass fucking pop in the room at soundstage. And I was like, fuck yeah, cool moment. Felt good. You That's know? awesome. Oh, yeah. It was nice to fucking have it and not acknowledge, not just on some fucking stupid Facebook post that got like seven likes, you know what I mean? So it was cool to have somebody do it, and like now I can go back and even watch it on YouTube, and I'm like, oh, fuck mm. yeah, you know? I knew it was coming, but it was nice to hear it, you know? Clip it and put it on your LinkedIn. Um, and then, yeah, a couple months down the road, we uh, we did Not Fest. And I got to be honest, I mean, experience-wise, treatment-wise, um, like, unbelievable, like, you know, um, satisfaction-wise, you know, we're like, ah, all the shit I did when I was a kid, all the shit, every fucking shit, every fucking line, I stood, ah, I did it, I fucking got to, I'm part of it a little bit, you know what I mean, a little fucking bit, I'm doing it today, I'm part of it, um, we didn't play great, we didn't fucking play great, uh, Prevelis didn't play great, his gear is always doing something insane, one of his, one of his 7,000 pedals, my hand locked up, I was drinking, and I was high, and I wasn't fucking, probably hydrated keith just not great at that point in his career and like billy and jay played fine they played great uh but like you know not the greatest show we ever played especially when it should have probably been the greatest show we ever played you know what i mean yeah and uh it was fine good reaction and stuff nobody was like well that band sucked but i was like ah, that was that could have been way sicker well, you know what i mean truthfully it's if billy's on then everyone's on he was killing it you yeah. know what i mean drummers are that's, that's what the people it. are really hearing yeah, the sure, most so. sure yeah. But I knew like we could have been way sicker and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, you know, in the in turn, um you know, Keith kind of started stopping showing up to practice shortly after that, and that became a thing with him and Chris, and that's kind of why he got replaced. 
Then Joe Marchese joined the band for a few years. Joe sang for Revenants and Mother yes. Brain. Yes. And that was a great era. He was one of my best friends, one of my best collaborators. Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing Joe uh, front internal bleeding. It was it was a fucking really yeah. fun time for me, man. You know, he had family stuff that had to come up first, and he he just he couldn't fucking tour more than a day at a time. You know. Yeah. Just, and and, and it, he didn't realize it till he committed to the band. You know. And, and he was again, like, fuck, I, I can't do it. You know? I respect the family guys. I respect the career guys. All that sort of thing. Like like I'm just don't get it wrong. No, I get all it. I'm saying is that you know. People, it can save a friendship in some cases if you talk to your bandmates and say, who wants to go on tour for two weeks every once in a while and who can't do that? You know what I mean? Yeah, but it was kind of like, you know, we were coming, we were going to Japan coming up soon. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, I just can't fucking do it. These tickets are how much before you put my fucking name on it? You know what I mean? Like, I can't fucking go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So um, we kind of knew it was going. We kind of had an idea in our heads. Um, we kind of had brought it up to a fill in. Wise to our buddy Steve from Sacrificial Slaughter. They're like thrash death band from Los Angeles. Yeah. And he's a tough guy, sick vocals, um, road dog, fucking knows what he's doing behind the scenes, promoter. And like, always thought his, you know, I just thought his vocals were sick as fuck, you know? And he looks cool and he looks tough on stage. So I was like, all right, Joe can't play this show. Let's get Steve to fucking fill in. We'll go to Japan or whatever. Ended up working out, you know, and Steve ended up being cool as fuck and his vocals are sick and Joe just couldn't do it at all. So it was like, you know, do you want to fucking do this band? Steve was like, fuck yeah, dude. Got the logo tattooed on the side of his fucking head. <laughs> yeah, that's commitment, man. We fucking went after it. And the new shit's going to be sick, dude. And he, he he really, he fucking grew into his own the last few years. He's a sick fucking front man and really fucking got the, the fucking IB confidence the last few fucking tours. And uh, oh, yeah. the next album's going to be fucking nasty, dude. And it's good because he can beat a lot of people up, too. Like, we don't want any pussies fucking front. Ah. Not that Joe, Joe, Joe could fucking fight, too. But, like, you know, like, part of the requirement of being an IB is you got to be able to fight. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a tough guy thing going on in IB. It's undeniable. It's not on purpose, but like you know, it's well, part, it's of, the, part of the requirement. Yeah, it's yeah. the Long Island. Death yeah, and Steve's thing, has, he, he, he doesn't like admitting that he's from LA. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. I mean, you guys play Brooklyn, and you know, a bunch of worms are standing there going, "Yep, that's not technical enough." Right, exactly. Allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. So we've heard. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we. I, I'm already getting over my trouble with Brooklyn that I had last episode. Tom, let's chill. We got young. We got to think about young Ian out there on the street, man. Going when he goes to shows alone. Um. Uh. So okay, man. So now you you talked a little bit. You talked about the Joe era. Um. You guys, of course, in um, 2000 and. 17 you guys record the final justice yep. single which you know sadly as we all know that was right around the time that bill tolly um unexpectedly passed away crazy right so we we were supposed to put that out song out the day after he died mm. and so we were like fuck it do we still do it so we're like that night we're sitting there we edited it to have a fucking memorial thing at the beginning of the video we're like of course we're putting it the fuck out you know what i mean yeah. crazy timing terrible timing still surreal to think that the whole thing happened yeah um Pretty brutal. Probably the worst and weirdest shit that I've ever experienced. Um, you know, uh, feeling-wise, you know, just out of nowhere, just like, it it didn't seem real. None of it seemed fucking real. Um, sad for us, of course. Sad for Prevalis, because that's his best friend for a million years and best collaborator. Obviously, terrible for his fucking family. It fucking, I hate it. I hate thinking about it, of course. But, um, uh, yeah, so that's weird. So the single and that video came out a day later. A day after he died, we put it out, and uh, song was sick as fuck. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up making it on the uh, the album version with Kyle on drums you know, a couple of years later and shit. Um, yeah, it was a fucking weird time, man. 
definitely strange time, and I know you guys were all very fucking supportive, and everybody on the island was 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 great to us. You know, during, it was fucking weird. It was sad, but it was weird. Yeah, yeah. There, it was this. Yeah. Uh, it was like this Venn diagram, this crossover of the, um, we'll say the first responder culture, which is very strong here on Long Island. Sure. The firefighters, the police, all that sort of thing, the EMTs, and the underground metal community, which is, uh, of course, very strong in Long Island, in New York City. I mean, it was it was very wide felt, man, of course. Um, and in tribute to uh you know the spirit you guys of course kept trucking on now do you want to talk a little bit and maybe catch some of the listeners who don't know up to speed about kyle's pedigree with internal bleeding which doesn't just start um after you guys decide to push on uh after that right so kyle eddie kyle he was in the band mucopus with jason kaiser who was in skinless and he's currently the singer in origin um yeah, sick ass drummer. Um, without remorse, and uh, Mucopus used to play upstate together, so I've always been friendly with him. Uh, then in 2005, on one of the legs of the Onward to Mecca U.S. tour, there were two big tours uh, in the U.S. And the second tour, Billy couldn't do for work reasons. You know, you had the big FDNY gig, mm-hmm. and um, he couldn't take this. It was a five week tour. And uh, the album was still doing pretty hot, so he was, just had to tap somebody that kind of did it. So he put it out there on MySpace and. Kyle, for however reason, got in touch, or maybe I think, I think George from Dehumanized, I think went, "Yo, Kyle Eddie can do it," you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Kyle was in internal bleeding in 2005 for about five weeks. Played, you know, however many many shows that is, 50 shows with IB during wow. the Onward to Mecca era. Um, Interesting. And you know, I always knew him back then, and we were always friendly with our two bands and stuff, and always been a cool kid. And we had a tour in 2017 in May of that year with the band Vader. And before Billy passed away, he already knew he couldn't do it. He could do the Long Island show and maybe the Connecticut show. And then we had another four weeks out on the road that we said yes to that he just couldn't do. So he was like, yeah, what about Kyle? Kyle. So we were like, oh, does Kyle still know 10 IV songs? Let's fucking get him down here, you know? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, fuck it, dude. He's like, oh, that's awesome. I haven't been on the fucking road in a while. I would love to do that, you know? And, uh, and then Billy passes away and then... You know, we're at the funeral, and Kyle comes all the way down from upstate just to be there with us and shit. And, you know, we didn't really make any decisions. You know, we were on the road and shit, and we still had the tour. And he knew. He was like, all right, are we still doing this? He's like, if we're not doing the tour, I understand. He's like, ah, fuck. We were like, fuck it. Prevels is like, we're doing the fucking tour. He's like, I can't sit home. He's like, I got to do the fucking tour. You know what I mean? Like, we're going out there. We're going to play these fucking songs. You know what I mean? Sure. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. All right, we have to do that. And uh, I remember we were at the Rainbow in L.A., Sitting around with Kyle. We had already probably two, two and a half weeks under our belt. And the shows were great. And he's great. And he's playing sick as fuck. And he's great. Like, he's like the best human. He's like my, he's become one of my best fucking friends. I love him. And we were having such a good time with him. And he was alleviating so much of our shit that was happening. We had like that thing in the back of our head that we we're trying not to. And uh, I'm looking at this fucking kid. I'm looking for balance. I'm like, this kid's got to be in the fucking band, dude. You know, he's like. He's in the fucking band, you know. Like, he's in the fucking band, so we made a decision there in L.A. at the fucking at the Rainbow, eating pizza, and then we, you know, we talked about it after the fact. But we knew like two weeks into it, I was like, "This kid's in the fucking band. If he wants it, the gig, of course, you know." Yeah. And he ended up being great. He fucking stepped up, and the fucking the corrupting influence album is fucking insane. He played sick as fuck on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, he's a road dog. He's in it. He's my co-pilot. He's up with me every fucking night while I'm driving, bullshitting, laughing with me. He's my fucking weed partner. Uh. He's my 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 havoc partner on the road. You know what I mean? 
He's the goat. I love Dude, him. He, he, is- he saved IB. He saved IB. And if we didn't have such a sick drummer, we wouldn't be a sick band. And he makes us sick. He's a yeah, great guy too, man. I I I enjoy uh, catching up with him whenever I see him, man. He's a nice guy. Um, and we did. Uh, I met him in 2018 when I was I filled in for Pyrexia on vocals yes. for a few shows on tour. I remember that tour. Um, with you guys, yeah, great experience hanging out with all you guys. That was also the first time I met Ryan uh, Giordano, um, who's your current bass player, newest bass, latest bass player this era of Internal Bleeding. Um, do you want to just talk a little bit about him? Yeah, and just because you know, introduce him to the lineup too. So Ryan, again, we, that tour that you were on, Ryan filled in for Sean Kennedy, who was on the uh, Corrupting Influence album. He was okay. also in Pyrexia. And yeah, Sean Kennedy is currently in Pyrexia. Right. Yeah, we should say. Um, okay. Sean wasn't able to do that tour. Yeah. Um, I think he was going something with his, his dad's plumbing plumbing company, and he had to be home for that X amount of weeks. And That's fine, but it was the album release tour, and we couldn't not do it because we kind of needed to be on the road pumping this record. And um, I put it out there to, I asked Nick from the band Merciless Concept. Because I know he's yes. sick. Nick Nick Santana? Yeah, Nick. Yeah, yes. Nick Santana, exactly. And yeah. I was like, hey, man, you want to you play an IB for a couple weeks? He's like, dude, I just got a new job. I can't fucking go anywhere. He's I, like, what I about... I love that kid, man. He's, he's funny, man. Yeah. yeah, he's like, what about John Mackey from Vatican? He's like, what about um, Ryan from Mercy Blow? And then, I'm trying to think. He maybe said somebody else. It'll come to me. But I was like, all right. I was like, we sent an email to everybody, you know, or we fucking, we molded about ourselves. And I was like, yo, ask that kid Ryan, man. See if he can play the bass, you know. So we sent him a video. He sent back a fucking video of him playing like a human suffering perfect, you know. And I was like, oh, fuck it. All right. Get him in the van. Played the shows. Played the whole tour. He was great. Uh, John Pence from the band Prison was the other, was the other bass player. Mm-hmm. Like, a, they're like a deathcore band, but he's a really sick bass player. Um... Yeah, so Ryan was great on the road for that fucking tour that we were on. No problems. Played good every night. Did his own thing. You know, he dresses how the fuck he wants. He's a madman. He's got fucking <laughs> million girlfriends. He's fucking, you know, his whole thing. Uh, but he adds a bit of, like, that rock star shit to the band. You know what I mean? That, like, which kind of works, you know? And he's, he's used it to his favor. And he's he's great. And he delivers behind the scenes as goofy as he wants to dress or have him, you know, whatever. I don't give a fuck, you know? He plays hard as fuck. He played hard in the studio. He's got cool ideas. He's great in the van. He's great on the road. He's as responsible as, like, you know, he's, he's great. He's a great fucking kid. And became one of my best friends, so. Different generation, man. Yeah, man, Different definitely. He's definitely. You can definitely tell he's 10 years younger than me or whatever. But, <laughs> but you know, if Good I kid. was, you know, tall, handsome, skinny kid, I'd be doing all that same shit, too, you know? Fair enough, man. Fair enough, man. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to you know, kind of update the line. You know, you started talking about um, Steve, it's Steve Worley. Steve Worley, yeah. Steve Worley, who's the, the current vocalist of Internal Bleeding. I just figured we'd update the lineup a little bit, catch people up to speed. And if they're not completely up to speed, it's been, I can't, it's almost been like two years since you guys put out the Overthrow Creation single. Yeah, that was two summers ago, right before the Deicide tour, which yeah. was great. That was like the biggest tour I'd be ever went on. It was successful. It was the most money I ever came home with. I, like, I was like, <gasps> Death Metal did this? I was like, holy <laughs> shit. It was like the best. It was like the best time. It was like one of those things that I was finally like, all right. How long fuck, was that run? little fucking respect. It was like four weeks on the dot. Okay. That, I mean, that's... Like the first to the first of that's whatever. That's August, man. That's, you know, yeah. September, you know, September or whatever it was. That's not small beans right No, there. and like all the shows were sold out. Like every show was 800 people, 1,000 people. It was fucking what, awesome. What was it touring, like the situation you guys touring with DSI? Everyone cool there? I mean, so, I'm like not, not so asking for gossip. So it's definitely cool. Just, just definitely flow, fucking you know? cool. Uh... 
The entire band was cool. Uh, we had a few moments with Glenn that were a little funny, where he got a little annoyed at us about some behind-the-scenes shit, but all in all, he was always cool to us. Yeah, actually, I, heard, I heard the story. I'm not yeah, going yeah, yeah. to blow up the spot. Yeah, Ryan yeah. can tell the story one yeah, day if he yeah, wants. Yeah, yeah. We got a little angry at Ryan one day, <laughs> and, but we smoothed it out the next day, and he kind of just laughed about it. Uh, but yeah, Glenn's cool as fuck, and he's actually probably cooler than people realize. Um, yeah, it was cool as fuck, man. We had a blast with them. Awesome. And they were sick every night, too. Yeah, I love this. Yeah. Deicide, another band kind of getting, not that they weren't huge in the 90s, but I kind of see a little bit more of a resurgence of respect for them the last They were my years. favorite, man. Of all the Florida yeah. bands, they were A number one for me, man. Yeah, Deicide They delivered great, the most the payoff shit for me, you know? At least um, I had to think about, you know, the most just like, give, it, give me the shit, you know? Serpents <laughs> of the Light was uh, a great album. Love that was more my generation. Yeah, none of the above. Shout out to the above. I, you know, I drive past there constantly because I work right out there, man. It's, and it's that, a nail salon. It, yeah, nail salon, and there's like a tattoo parlor there. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, and anyway, so over yeah, Overthrow Creation comes out. Are there? And uh, is there anything you can talk about? Um, new album plans? Oh yeah, recordings. For sure. And you know, you want to talk about something like it's that? It's just about done writing wise. Going to go back. I have like eight of nine songs done. Done. I think. Okay. And I'm going to go back and fix a little things, add a little tricks and trinkets and make things cooler, <laughs> you know, uh, cooler transitions, you know, try and fix a few things that I want to go back and do before we really commit. And then we're going to track it, and it's supposed to come out. The album's going to be called uh, Settle All Scores. I put it out there online a few times, so it's not new news. Okay. Yeah, but the album's called Settle All Scores. Um, it's going to come out on Unique Leader, I think, um, unless somebody else to, does it and swoops in in the last minute, but I think it's a Unique mm. Leader uh, venture. Okay. Um Gonna have some cool guest vocals on it. Gonna have some fucking really classic fucking IB shit on it. Gonna have some McCarthy era IB shit on it. You know what I mean? It's it's cool. It's fucking sick. I had some really really bad writers block the last few years. I don't know if it was the COVID thing or just being you know I just like I could. So corrupting influence is like eighty percent my stuff. And Prevelis approved a lot of it. You know, this album is like eighty percent Prevelis, and I kind of just helped this time. You know, and it's okay. sick as fuck, you know. It definitely probably might be more IB than the last album, you know, because it's a little more Prevelis um, influence on it. Um, I, I, but I, I just, like, I he, he just flows sometimes. He'll wake up with seven straight minutes of music, and I'll be like, all right, do that twice, get rid of that part, trim pick that, do the octave note there, do a choke there, you know what I mean? Like, and that's how I work with him, yeah. you know, backwards, you know. Wow. And he writes a lot of sick shit. It's like usually pretty sick and competitive, and it's not old guy music, and it's not fucking boring ass. Fucking, it's actually sick. They're like he writes a lot of sick shit that I go, oh shit. No, you guys definitely have that like pushing what you could do with a power chord, sure. like like shifting around a neck a certain way, yeah. which is like if you don't play guitar, it looks easy. It's not easy. Like that shit there's is a, fucking hard. Yeah, there's a, that's like the Prevelis, uh, the Prevelis Gallagher. Yeah, you know that fucking that, the. Yes, I know that's exactly like the thing the, you're that's talking That's kind of like the double kick world, you know? You can hear <laughs> double kick and go, well, how's he doing with his feet? That's the equivalent, where you can, like, slide up and down a neck like that sure. and make a riff happen. It's tight, Yeah, right? that's the Prevelis shit, man. And yeah, he wrote a lot of sick shit on this album, and uh, I kind of just let him do his thing and didn't really question it, you know? I like things like that as a listener, when you can listen to an album and kind of, like, compare and contrast writing styles and, you know, just, just kind of like, you know, like, uh, in, as a uh, kind of like... A, an archivist or something of death metal. You know what I mean? You know, you know different things that went on with the album. Yeah. Um, and so, all right, so that's not recorded yet, though. You guys are still... Yeah, we're still... We have the pre-production stuff, so then we're going to kick... The, we're going to do the drums and the vocals at Full Force here on Long Island with Joe Sincata. Okay. As we do. Of course. And we're actually going to try something different. We're going to do the... the we're going to track the guitars at home, and 
Taylor Young from The Pit um, is going to is gonna reamp them or whatever the hell that means and then mix the album and the whole thing. Okay. He's in uh, God's Hate. He's in Nails, some of those okay. other bands. So, like, I've always loved how the guitars on a lot of his records sound. And I always love how the guitars and the drums on Cicada shit sound. So I was like, I want to do them both. Yeah. This is maybe the last time I'd be able to make an album. Chris is not a young man. You know what I mean? Not to say this is the last one, but like, who the fuck knows? I want to do some shit that we don't normally do. I want to try something different. Not that I don't love the last album. Love it. Love it. Fucking love it. Just want to try something different. Always want to go in a different yeah. place. Yeah. want to try something different. We, well, also, the the advantage of recording guitars at home and doing the DI thing. my own fucking pace. Yeah, exactly. Of money. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to be performing for a studio or a clock. Correct. Like, you just, you just get it done. That's it. We're going to fucking do our thing. We're going to fucking track when we feel like tracking. When my finger starts to hurt, we're not going to fucking do it no more. I'll pick exactly, it up the next day. Yeah. I'm going to jump in the pool. I'll come back. Mm. If I'm feeling like going back upstairs, we're going to do it. But I'll, I'll tell you this, because I've, I've done a lot of digital recording where, like, my sessions aren't locked, per se, because so much of what I've done commercially and shit is, it's all in the box. Everything's in the box. Don't overthink it too much, man. Sure. Like, because there, there was the shoot thing that I released. Like, I was recutting guitars over and over and yeah. over again, and then I ended up just going with the first pass I did on a lot of shit. So, if that's your first time doing that, that's the only advice I have cool. from, for the DI world. Don't fall, are... don't fall into the sand pit. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, man. So, well, well we kind of like caught internal bleeding fans up to date. We told a little bit of your history, but there's one part we left out. Um, don't worry, it's not going to get weird. You also work, <laughs> you work the door, um, I don't know what kind of a term we want to throw around, doorman, bouncer, um, but you do work the door at Amityville Music Hall and other establishments. Sure. How long have you been doing that type of work? So, I've been like a nightclub bouncer for like 10 years, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. That was through a old, you know, city hardcore guy, Connect. And I ended up being the door guy at the Emporium, which is now the fucking sa- the Stereo Garden in Patchogue. But I was the door oh. guy at the Emporium for a very long time. And you work your way up. I was the guy at the back door, and then I was the guy you know, standing next to the bathrooms. And then once people realize that I'm a little more connected and I'm a little more professional than a lot of the other guys, they give them, they put me at the ticket booth. Then I'm the door. You know, that's how it goes. And I work my yeah. way up. You know, you know, there's a little politics to it, of course. Sure. But I also have a uh, I have like a restaurant hospitality background too. So like they also like, oh, this guy's not an idiot. Put him up front. You know what I mean? Like he, oh, right. he can talk to people. Put him up front. You know, what no mean? one had to yeah. talk to people. You know what I mean? It's big. De- yeah. Oh, you know, I've worked. I've been like the host at a nice steakhouse. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So like I know how to yeah. fucking talk to a motherfucker. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, shout out Cooper Smith Steakhouse in East Islip back in the day. Um, <laughs> now I, there's a lot yeah, to but, get into yeah, yeah. with all that. AMH. I am for two or three years now and. I'd rather be with my people. You know, I've worked at strip clubs. I've worked at fucking restaurants. I've worked at fucking dance clubs. I've worked at regular ass fucking meathead chicken wing bars. I've, this is perfect for me. I get to fucking experience music for better or for worse. Sometimes it's not, you know, bands you love or local bands that are absolutely punishing you. But, you know, sometimes you get to be on stage with All At War and get paid $150 for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so it's, it yeah. balances itself out. You know what I mean? Sure. All right. I got to ask. Uh, let's, let's start. Cause there's like a flurry of questions in my mind and I got to do it for the listeners. We don't always have someone who's been a bouncer for, for a variety of different establishments <laughs> in here. Let's start with the strip clubs now. And also this is like East Long Island. So like, I love Long Island. I'm a Long Islander at heart, but that's, and I've lived in Long Island all my life. So I know how Long Island gets. Sure. Um, not to say there aren't classy gentlemen's clubs type establishments out here, but, but Working at a strip club, Long Island. I mean, I imagine you got a few stories. It probably got a little out of hand a few times. Like, like, what? What are some of the things you see that people might not even expect? You know. 
So I got to be honest with you, man. So I worked at this place called Gossip on 110, right? Oh, I Which is a pretty mm-hmm. upscale place. Fair yeah, enough. So yeah. you got to have loot to come in there. You got to be dressed a certain way to come in there. And like for the most part, old white dudes ain't coming to fight you with a boner. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, so like I, 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 we only had one fight there. It was like some Russian mob dudes. They threw like a fucking potted plant through the window. and We wow. had to regulate and, you know, it was a whole thing. But that was really the only fight fight. I've seen way worse at AMH, you know what I mean? And without remorse <laughs> yeah, shows. With, with my own shows. Um, yeah, weirdly tame, dude, compared to like even some of the restaurants and bars that I've like fucking, you know, bars in Long Beach and shit are a million times worse than that strip club. Uh, I've never worked in, a, in, a, in like a, in any smaller establishment. So like, I mean, it's probably worse at a cheaper place, you know what I mean, where there's no yeah. dress code and stuff. But, you know, I worked at a place where you had to come in with a certain level of decorum and act a certain way or sure, else it yeah. wasn't going to go well, you know. Um, so really, no, no bullshit. Honestly, it was like pretty easy gig. So the so the the wing joint in Long Beach, what what uh, happened Minnesota's, there? Minnesota's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some dude <laughs> fucking, uh, some dude walking out past me with a beer. Like my only job is to not to ask people not to bring beer onto the street. You know, what I mean, yeah, like right. if they're going to smoke. You know, I was like, you could leave the beer on that little table, right? There. And the guy just didn't want to hear it, so he fucking MMA hip tossed my fucking ass onto the fucking ice. Oh really? Like, and I, it happened so fucking fast. And I'm a big dude, and like you know what I mean. Like I was like, holy fuck, it happened so fucking fast. And thankfully, I had a couple other fucking dudes that were already on top of it. They, they fucking scoop them up and drag them around the building. And I'm like, oh, Lord. You know, I'm like, wow, that was that was so unexpected and terrible. Like, my leg is killing me. <laughs> oh. So we dragged him around the building. I may or may not have broken his leg. Oof. But fucking, uh, yeah. Uh, that oh, he's, was a like, real, so that's like, he's a real jerk. I don't that's think the worst I, shit. You know, like, yeah, sometimes like, yeah. what? I got trampled at the Emporium one time. Young M.A., you know, the rapper, Young M.A.? Yeah, yeah. I know the, I'm aware of the Hardcore. rapper, Young M.A., yes. Yeah. Uh, hardcore rapper, female <laughs> chick. Um, okay. Sick. That was, her one big song's great. Um, oh, right. That was, uh, that was but like, was like, oh, that was the chorus. I actually don't even know this. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah well, but I'm doing the door, and uh, people are just not happy that like, we're not open yet. I'm like, I don't know what to fucking tell you. Like, the doors aren't open yet, guys. Like, when the doors are open and the ticket booth is ready and sound check is over, like, I'll open the doors. Do you guys want to stand there while people are fucking mopping and sweeping? I'm like, that's why it's closed right now. And they just. 50 women just decided to go no we're coming in now and they pushed me over on the sidewalk and like i fell over i tripped over my own fucking foot and they were like walking on my body <laughs> with like their with heels and shoes and like walking on me jesus and, like, my Christ, head and i'm like holy it was like you know thanksgiving it was like fucking black friday wow like opening the doors at target wow and like i was the guy standing there it was unbelievable I, I was it was unbelievable so that was the worst thing that I ever had. And I've seen crazy fights. I've seen, you know, yeah, venue yeah. clearing fights and oh yeah. shit God, like that, dude. you know. You know, I've seen overdoses and all that shit. And, you know. I, I encourage the listeners to look into Young M.A.'s discography. She's got some interesting songs. Um, move, moving moving right along. <laughs> you got to see her live, too. Yeah. Is that Young Massachusetts? Just, That's just, what this stands <laughs> for? <laughs> just please don't um, step on my head. Yeah, you don't. don't. Yeah, be nice to the bounce. That's something I say a lot when we go on tour, when we're playing shows, man. Respect to the, the bouncers and the door staff. Yeah. Um, All the crew. Be, be nice. Is it generally more respectful working in a, uh, a rock club that caters to underground music like AMH? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, especially because this is really, it's, it's really revolves around our scene. And once in a while, we get the normie crowd, we'll do the fucking dance club night. Once in a mm-hmm. while, we'll do the fucking local band night where there's a fucking jerk off. Some guy last night was giving us a hard time about not opening the gate between the bands. I was like, shut the fuck. I'll open the band, I'll open the gate when I tell you I'm gonna open the fucking gate. Relax. Like, yeah. Fucking relax. Like, once in a while, that kind of stuff comes up. But, like, it's really, it's mostly, Normal. it's now mostly it's... our people and the orbit of people around that. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, we definitely... 
we have very few rules. I don't want fucking people drinking underage there. Like, that's not cool or funny to me. Or, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. eh, it's, I'm fucking responsible and it's fucking stupid. You know what I mean? Oh, go yeah. do it in the car. I don't give a shit. You can't do it inside. Uh, you can smoke weed. I don't give a fuck. Not in the building. Do it out back. You know what I mean? But, like, you know, just want it to go fucking smooth. You know? Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I hear you, man. Wow. So. But AMH is cool, man. And we have a fucking great time. And the great show is great there. Obituary there was unfucking believable. When Pain of Truth plays there, it's unbelievable. IB and Suffo there was fucking unbelievable. Mortician was fucking sick as fuck. A lot of great shows you know I mean? there. Yeah, there's always great Afterburn, shows. You guys killed it. That was the best I think I ever saw you guys. Thanks for the compliment, man. Great. Yeah, we, I've, seen, I've seen you guys a hundred times. That was might have been the best ever. We um we just recorded the album. We just wrapped up all the tracking uh, over the weekend, man, for the new album. It's fucking man. awesome. We're excited for that. Yeah, dude. We're uh, and we're playing a show this July. We're playing a show. I, I the show is, is announced, but I haven't seen us announced on it, so I don't want to. I don't want to spill any beans. But yeah, we're we're gonna be playing a show in July, July the twentieth in, in New York City. Um, but yeah, man, a lot of great shit comes through Amityville Music Hall, and you've even worked for Dan, uh, manager Dan Valentino's uh, other establishments here in Huntington, right? Right. Yeah. So like when I I took a couple years off from bouncing and doing door stuff, just because I just didn't want to fucking do it, I was getting burnt out and fucking sure. diet was terrible. I was like, I remember one time when I was working in the Hamptons, I was like, I think I ate at Seven Eleven every day this month. You uh, know what I mean? Like uh, in my uh, car uh, in the parking lot, that dry ass terrible turkey sandwich. Mm, you know, I was like, yeah. it was like four o'clock in the morning, and I was just like, it's the only thing. Yeah, that, and I don't want to before I drive an hour back to Selden. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, a, it's some so rough I, hours. I, I, but I was like, yeah, I, I can't yeah. fucking do this no more. So I took a few years off. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, then Dan hits me up. He's like, hey man, do you still have your license? I was like, sorta. He's like, well, if I can get it renewed, he's like, do you want to? He's like, can you just do the door at Vauxhall? It's going to be fucking busy. You know, I need people. This is mascara. He's like, you know, I got kind of need a dude to help me enforce that shit and make sure the waitresses aren't getting yelled at and stuff like that. I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's no problem, man. And he paid me good and stuff. And, um, and then it kind of just clicked one day. He was just like, wait, you should just be at AMH. He's just like, I'll get somebody to come work here. He's like, you want to be the door guy at AMH? He's like, that's more like you're at. I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, why, why didn't I think of that? You know? Yeah. He's like, like, yeah, just go there. He's like, start going there. Dan always coming in clutch, man. Yeah. Like, just go there. Rules, I was like, oh, good idea. So yeah. that's been great. So hell yeah. And it's been a great gig, man. Yeah. Helped IB. You know, uh, if anything happens on Long Island there, it technically has to go through me. Like, <laughs> literally, you know what I mean? Literally. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's cool. I talked to a lot of people, man. Um, for better or for worse, it's fucking great, man. And it's been great. It actually has been really great. Fucking met a lot of great fucking people there. All my coworkers are sick as fuck. The staff is great. We just want to fucking make money and have cool gigs and smoke weed. You guys seem close-knit, the staff over We're there. We're all good friends. Like, there's yeah. nobody that doesn't get along. There's nobody that's like, oh, God, this fucking guy's working. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're all fucking friends. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Cool. Callie's still working over there? Callie? No, he's at Vox, I think, last time I checked. Okay. I don't really go he, out. Like, I last time I saw you was the last time I went yeah, out. Yeah, he so comes like, to a lot of shows, though. I see him pretty often. Yeah. Good dude. Yeah, he's great. So I, I got to pick your brain just a little bit more. Working, door bouncing, that sort of thing. And not, and not necessarily at AMH. As you said, you worked a variety of places that had nothing to do with underground music even. the Dealing with people, dealing with drunk people, maybe high, you know, high people, whoever, who knows. Um, does that does that like change you in some way? Do you do you have like less patience for people sometimes? Do you look at people different? Do you conduct yourself different when you go out at night? Absolutely. Clubs? So I've never been a big public drinker and like public get wrecked person to begin with. It's just not my style, and I'm usually driving, so I rarely have the opportunity to be a fucking idiot. Do you need person. a beer now, by the way? Uh, I'm actually good, homie. Thanks, man. All right, cool. Yeah, man. Uh, I fucking uh, so I'm, yeah. So I'm rarely in the opportunity to. I mean, I love drinking tequila and shit, but like I rarely do it to excess you know where it's like gonna affect the rest of my evening you know what i mean um uh, but i still I've, i do see the way some folks act 
and it's fucking embarrassing, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, Lord in heaven, I would never want to fucking be that person or date that person or fucking, yeah. holy shit, if my friend did that tonight, I would have flipped out on him in the car on the way home, that kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you see it from all angles, and some people don't fucking mean it. Booze makes people fucking idiots, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I've never seen one person smoking weed and act like a jerk-off, though. That's the... I, I feel like you're talking about me, and that's fine. <laughs> you, you've there. always been very, very polite in, at, at all events. I just get louder. For the most part. <laughs> well, you have to be loud. These fucking places are loud as fuck. Yeah, dude. Oh, dude. I saw. No, I, I, I went I, to the talk about loud as fuck. I saw a Queensrÿche at the Paramount the other day. <laughs> that the sound system. Though, I got the I mean, same review oh from somebody God. else recently. Dude, my ears were. I like my ears don't ring like that normally. That I heard it was wild. exceptionally loud, even from the back bar. Yeah, the Paramount yeah. fucking sucks sound wise. Like it's a cool layout. I get it, but the sound there is like atrocious. It was also a, it heard was a that. Punishment. Like I've never really. Maybe. Maybe every time I see a band, I go, why don't I hear the kick drum? You're not wrong. It's it's so shrill in there. So just, if you haven't been there, the whole thing is metal. Metal is the worst thing to uh, treat sound with. All it does is reflect it. So you have all these like weird frequencies cutting off other frequencies. You get these spots where you can kind of hear what's happening, and then you stand 10 feet over. It sounds totally different. It's just fucked the way they, they went for like this aesthetic over how it sounds huh. and uh yeah I, I dude if i had any hand in a venue i would never do what they did sound wise especially with their budget what's interesting is before it was the paramount it was that cultural or the huntington the imac, the IMAC the, theater the, it, was yeah. a, it was like a performing arts theater that was more for like different different types of cultural music i know like they had like reggae bands and jazz music a lot of there, jazz so musicians like, and uh but folk not this musicians. loud electric music yeah not you know not heavy metal well and dude stuff. the boomers grew up hey, <laughs> they wanted to fucking hear jimmy buffett covers you know? I, I still got to go see Queensryche like 10 minutes away from my house that is so. pretty tight i yeah and I uh, you know who opened up trauma which I, i'm honestly above the table not familiar with Cliff Burton's original band. That's really. I was just gonna say oh, really? the Cliff Burton trauma. And yeah, and four oh, out of five of those dudes looked old enough to have been from that era. Wow. Yeah, they were. They That's were cool. doing. I wish I. Yeah. I wish I knew that. Not a bad show. Marty Friedman's uh, solo shredding band was the 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 direct support. How did I not know that? That's sick. I would have uh, gotten seen Marty Friedman. That's tight. That dude. You fucking... guys are guitarists, oh, so that probably has more traction with you. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching. Well, here's the thing, and I said this to a friend. Trauma was great. Super shred. They have two guitarists, a, a, an OG guy who looks like he could be from the original lineup, and a younger guy who's like the new, you know, fresh blood. They were shredding back and forth. It was like a, you know, it was like Guitar Center up there. Sick. <clears throat> so then yeah. after that, seeing a half hour of Marty Friedman's vocalists just shredding over instrumentals band was a little much for me. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, that shit gets old after a song or two. It right? was because it was, yeah. And it was like, uh, you know, like, I, I, it's impressive. I understand Marty Friedman is, I'm, I'm an ant to that man's discography, you know, and everything. Like, I, I actually like his era of Megadeth probably like better than other albums, but yeah, I, I, I second that one too. The, but you know you what, know, dude? That's like, that is for people who play guitar. At the end that, of the day, and, and it's like, and even as someone who plays guitar, I, there was a time where I was like, yeah, Steve Vai's pretty cool and all that shit, but then I actually saw some of those shows, and yeah. I lost interest. I'm I like, was like, not into it. I was just waiting for the edibles to kick in, allegedly, and watch <laughs> Queensryche. Queensryche, amazing cur- amazingly curated set list throughout the years, I have to say, as a fan. Um, but we're getting Chris. We got you yeah. here, and I'm talking Queensrÿche, man. That must be three beers in. So <laughs> they're my uncle's favorite band. I didn't know they never really hit me when I was, you know, like like the Slayers and the Metallicas just, of the world. But. Just hit me with a subliminal right there, man. He's like, this is my uncle's favorite band. I, they are. <laughs> <laughs> I 
they're one of my favorite groups from back in the day. I obviously moved a little bit more extreme over the years, but I always I always liked them. Um so Chris, we we got you this far. We asked you about newer internal bleeding. What about is there any kind of like shows or tours coming up that you might want to talk about or announce? Or, uh know? yeah, let's see. IB stuff as far as IB. <laughs> We have Hell in the Harbor coming up, which is like the replacement MDF yes. this year. Yes. So yes. that's cool. I think we played day two. We played with uh, Misery Index and High on Fire and some other cool bands. Uh, so crazy. A little, little bit more of a yeah. streamlined, awesome. stripped down, easier to follow yeah. uh, version of MDF. I think it's in. I think it's at yeah. Soundstage and maybe just in the parking lot too, or something Fair like enough. that. That's cool. Fair yeah, enough. it should be great. I think it's gonna be great. I think it's a pretty much sold out gig. Uh, it'd be great to see some fucking friends that weekend. Um, there's that show. IB's doing. Obscene Extreme in uh, Czech Republic in July. Beautiful. I don't know if we have a tour based around it, but we definitely have that, so I think we're just flying out there for the one thing and dicking around. Um, I also play guitar in another band called Missing Link, uh, a beat-down all-star band with um, some dudes from Pain of Truth and uh, uh, World of Pain and some other bands. And um, I think they're doing Black and Blue Bowl next week. I don't know if I'm doing that one with them, but they're playing that one next month. Uh, yeah, a couple other random gigs with um, yeah Missing Link coming up. I think we got Chicago Rumble that I'm playing, Detroit Hold It Down Fest that I'm playing with them, and then I think for the for the kids or for the children or something in LA at the end of the year. So that's cool. It's just a beat down all star side project. Fun Missing guy Link. band. Yeah, Missing Link. Check it out. Okay, hard man. as fuck. Yeah. Watch out. And now, uh, I remember a few years ago, without remorse, was like planning something. You got like, is there, is that? Yeah, no, I'm still working on that too. So okay. Andrew, our bass player, he's also in that band, Body Box. Okay. And uh, the other band is uh, the Last Ten Seconds of Life, and they're always fucking on tour. So, I see that name around a lot. Yeah. So when he when he's back, we can finish up some demo stuff, and then we're gonna try and get Without Remorse going. Nice. All yeah. right. So we're gonna tell the listeners to to look for Missing Link and Without Remorse. Fuck Maybe yeah. look for that on social media if you can. Uh, and check out the older material for uh, without remorse for now. Internal bleeding. Uh, watch from at that. Um, it's hell in the harbor. Hell in the right? harbor. Is yeah, the next the, IB the, gig. The, yep, in May. Kind of taking the vacancy yeah, of MDF, taking weekend. a year off. Um, all right, so Chris, before we move along, I think we have a a voicemail. That Let's hear it. Oh, okay. Pertains to yeah. conversation <laughs> in general with you. Hello, gentlemen. I know you have my homie, employee, Riff God, and Burger Daddy, Chris McCarthy, coming on the show. So I wanted to send some chat fuel your way. Aside from writing riffs that level buildings and slinging gore and exploitation flicks, at my poster shop, Chris is a walking Wikipedia of industrial music knowledge. I have seen pics of CDs and tapes posted on the Heavy Hall IG, and you always manage to sneak in some dope-ass industrial shit from back in the day. So I figured the current hype around the Skinny Puppy Tour coming to New York City this month and Godflesh dropping a bomb of a single this week I figured you guys could sling a little knowledge on the old IDM, electro, industrial, retro wave scenes. Keep up the work, my dudes. Podcast is sick. Over and out. Sean fucking Bell. Compound. Dark Forces. Forever Dark. And the goddamn Gore Store. Peace. He really should be a wrestling promoter, shouldn't he? Sean Bell (laughs) on Heavy Hole Podcast. Pretty sick. It's funny that he like knows about us because yeah. like he's one of those people. I'm like, I should reach out to that guy one day for interview. No, he's a real OG <laughs> man. He's like, he, he's my I big know. bro. He put me onto a lot of this shit. He's the reason that I, you know, with, you know, from the ashes turned into without remorse and got any sort of you know connection to the next thing. He put out the two without remorse albums with his own fucking money. You know, he fronted my tours. He fronted fucking merch for me. You know, he gave me a fucking job that lets me go on fucking tour. We have a fucking. Uh, we have a toy store on eBay and Amazon called the Gore Store. So if you guys want, like, you know, Funko Pops and shit like that, we sell that stuff online. 
but he gave that's me a great awesome. gig because, but yeah, shout out Sean Bell. I think he's giving me a little too much credit with the industrial shit because he's really the fucking goat. But, uh, you know, I skimmed the service a little bit. Like I said, Nine Inch Nails and, and, and then all the adjacent stuff that came with that. Then Frontline front Assembly came FDM, Skinny Puppy, and then the shit that came after that, How Job, Suicide Commando, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And then when it started getting to, like, the experimental noise, that's where it fucking lost me. But, like, the hard industrial shit, I love it. The yeah, hard yeah. electro-industrial, I love that era. Is there something that you've been listening to a lot in that hard industrial era that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, I mean, so, I mean, the perfect album is Hardwired by Frontline Assembly. It's from 1995. It's not a new album, but it's the absolute, the thing that I'm thinking of that I love, it's that. Mm. And then I want everything to sort of sound like that. And then there's other great bands, Informatic, uh, Velvet Acid Christ, Gridlock. Yeah, I'm a, little, I'm a little out of my depths here. Yeah. Uh, with that style. It's something that I've wanted to get into uh, more on the podcast. I'm familiar, obviously, with Skinny Puppy and Ministry and certain certain aspects of the like more industrial noise scene, things like that. I know Skinny Puppy's on tour or is about to launch like a, a tour. I'm probably... I, honestly, it's hard for me to go to shows I'm not performing at because most of my time off is like for, for my bands and, like, and I work a lot. You know sure, what I, mean? I get it. And then going to a big concert in New York City is tough for me, man. I'm just an old man when it comes to going out to New York City to go to a concert. So I think it's great that they're back and they're doing it. I think Skinny Puppy deserves maybe a little bit more recognition. Like Definitely. You know, we have this this era where, sad to say, because I think, I think a lot of people kind of credit, like, Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails with, like, industrial music and... You know, obviously, ministry plays a big part, like, directly with that. But then, like, if you go back, Skinny Puppy maybe should get a little bit more respect, too. But they also were, like, they were more experimental and dark than Nine Inch Nails. Of course. You know what I mean? So, like, they never never had those, like, hits. Well, yeah, they don't have the big radio hits and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great But, I mean, yeah, just as as influential in its own way as Nine Inch Nails, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, sick, fucking really great band. Like, I... Definitely early groundbreaking shit. Super extreme, more extreme than any fucking metal band. You know what I mean? Were you ever a, were you ever a strapping young lad fan? One of the sickest live bands I've ever seen. Awesome. So, so they opened up for Meshuggah once in like 2001, maybe, and they were they kicked the shit out of Meshuggah. Really? They were fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're I don't know a lot about industrial, but I started listening to strapping young lad. I don't know three years ago or so, and I'm like. How did I totally miss this? So, this is, all uh, full circle, Devin Townsend plays guitar on Hardwired by Frontline Assembly. Oh. Really? Done. No Interesting. Shit. Okay, man. So we're getting And Reese Fuller from Frontline Assembly is the guy that does all the fucking electronic stuff in, front, in Fear Factory. So that's all connected to metal. Interesting. Yeah. I never knew any of this. And I see Fear Factory out there again with a new singer. Yeah, he hasn't been in the band in 25 doing, years. But yeah, doing he was all the, this He was stuff. the guy in Nail Bomb that does all the keyboard shit. Okay, all right. So this is like this a is 90s good. industrial crossover yep. kind of trip. Shout out to Sean Bell on Fuck the check-in. Yeah, what a G, um, dude. Yeah, we, now that we've had you down, we, we got to get Sean Bell on yeah, the Yeah, check out the Gore store on eBay and Amazon. Yeah. Um, that's how I get paid. <laughs> buy some shit. A hundred percent. Make it happen. Or, or, yeah, buy or, a Freddy Krueger figure. Or, or from, from shoving you off of the stage at AMH, you know, because you're too close to the band. That's also how you get paid. Right. <laughs> um, uh, or throwing you out on the street because you're too drunk, you goddamn. All right. So, uh, shout to Sean Bell. I really appreciate Sean Bell on check. He's one of those people whose name kind of rings bells in the underground scene out here on Long Island. Um, and we would love to talk about him, about his story and his expertise uh, in, in said uh, scene. So... 
pushing forward from that, I gave you the best I could. Oh, the new Godflesh single. I'm going to have to go home and check it out. And we're it's Sean's me. favorite fucking band. He oh. took me to see them at one of the MDFs when they came back, and it was truly like, it was like earth-shattering. 2011, music. I saw them at, at MDF. fucking believable Yeah, great performance, great performance. Obviously, I like Street Cleaner. Can't say that I'm like a deep-cut guy with that band, but I will check out Sean loves all out Jezu. Their, yeah. He loves all the fucking the Justin K. Broderick stuff or whatever it is. Yeah, we... Hmm. Sean's really the encyclopedia of all of, of like every every style of extreme shit. Okay, I don't want to say the name, but there's a band that's kind of associated with some of those names you said, and the guy who does the project is also like one of the members of allegedly the first grindcore band ever. I, you know what I'm saying here? Well, don't. I don't want to. Yeah, we don't just okay. D- just right. imagine an imaginary man. Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> but like, well, the whole pre- the whole legacy. point was like, we were contacted about, do we want to interview this guy about his experimental noise project? And I was like, yeah, that's cool, man. We'll I'll listen. Like, I was d- totally down to listen to his new album, write up that shit, research it, ask him tons of questions about that. But he was also in like one of the most seminal extreme music bands of the 80s and they said he doesn't want to talk about that you can't ask him about that interesting so i was i, I had i had to pass because i was like this is heavy whole podcast how can i have this guy on and skip that part of his career that's most relevant to what we do it was a strange manager yeah. request i remember you it wasn't him personally it was oh, like yeah. a publicist request so yeah. i you know i don't that know it was a weird email but huh. he's yeah. probably a nice guy probably a great guy man anyway sure. and regardless you know he he, we we needed his interview more than he needed our <laughs> sure, sure. RL. But yeah, that like it's just yeah, it's just kinda weird how that went. And just for the like we get a lot of requests to have people on the show and sometimes there are people who have declined or who haven't gotten back to us, and sometimes it's a situation that's a little bit more murky like that. Um but anyway, man, moving past. Uh uh shout to Sean Bell. Yeah, man. This is the time where we usually ask you to recommend one older album and one newer album of any genre, anything you want. Just like all we're looking for is a recommendation for us and the listeners. What's cool, what's hot to listen to, man? Metal or anything. Cool. All right. So we'll go old school. Um, I don't want to give you something that everybody loves, but like, man, I think I listen to Master Killer every day of my life. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's easy. That's too easy. Uh, he's well. He's not the first Wu Tang member that people. Bring no, I mean, up I, I mean, um, all the time. Uh, Marauder Master Killer. Marauder oh, album, Master Killer. I'm sorry. Yeah, I listen to it like I, all right. I apologize. Um, I apologize. But I do. I mean, dude. I honestly thought you were talking about Master Killer. The the Wu-Tang no. I, I mean, I did. I did have a lot affiliate. of. The, I did have a lot of the, the Wu Tang uh, solo albums back when I was younger. Right, my bad. Shout to Marauder. Um, um, much respect. Yes. Yeah, but listen to the uh, no uh, crowbar Sonic Excess. That's what everybody in. Oh yeah. If you dude. have if you have any testosterone in your body, mm. cro- crowbar <laughs> Sonic Excess should be listened to. Waiting for the test to come back from Quest Labs. Yeah, <laughs> questionable uh, uh, for me. Um, uh, dude, and I, a new album. Let's go. Um, I think it's self titled thing. The band Momentum has like a I don't know seven eight song thing out on Days Records. Hardcore band, deathcore. You're not deathcore. Like a. Metalcore beatdown band from LA, sick as fuck. Like exactly what I love, exactly what I fucking love. Awesome momentum. Shout out momentum. There's, you know what, man? There's so much cool new hardcore, and like hardcore kind of affiliated music. Yeah, it's out just now, more dangerous. It's, it's more alive than the death metal stuff. I gravitate to it, you know. And the it's fresh. Yeah, yeah. and then the bands that are stuff. death metally that are associated with those are the bands that are sick. You know, like. The, the Sanguasuga Bugs and the Fomit Forts and stuff. They're fucking sick because they get it. They understand the fucking scenes that they that they are attached to and come from. And they, they you know, they're, it, the music is fucking great, you know. 
I look at it since like I'm from Long Island. I kind of have a uh, like we get a little bit of a pass. You know what I mean to mix our death metal and our hardcore the way we do. You know what I mean? It's it's just in the water out here. Yeah, man, it's part of it. Definitely, yeah. I mean, so talking to Billy, you know, rest rest in peace, man, from IB. I was like, who was your biggest fucking influence? And he was just like, oh, Danny from Biohazard. You know, like <laughs> some. You know, I was like, oh, that makes total sense to me. You know, that's. It, I'm gonna admit, I'm gonna have to think about that for a minute because because just comparing Bill Tolley's intricate, you know, wild kind of tribal rhythmic yeah, style, yeah, the, the China thing and the triplets and the and the, and the I, drum, I, I, you know? I kind of get it, but yeah. Biohazard is like more stripped down. I, I get it. Yeah, I, no, I get it. It makes Billy sense. just had the thing that he could not not play the drums. Like when he was behind it, yeah. he had to go. You know, so like he yeah. every he tried to fit a thing in everywhere. Right. Like, so that was what he. You know. Yeah, it's one or the other where it's just like you have to get someone to either play more or you have to get them to calm down. And uh, <laughs> Thankfully, we, we, but, it, it but worked it, out perfect. Yeah, if you have groove, it yep, both works. Exactly, you know, so. king of groove, yeah. We, I, I was but shout out Danny from Biohazard because he's, he, you know, he's the reason that Billy was... They're back, Biohazard, Bruce, right? I can't wait to fucking see yeah, him. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, Cody, you know, uh, the guys in Afterbirth, I, I obviously am not the original singer. Rest in peace to Matt Duncan, but... The other guys in Afterbirth used to be around um, Bill and Chris back in the Roxy days, like yeah, the man. old school IB days. And one time I was talking to Cody about how original Bill Tolley's drum style was, and we were saying it's like almost like a like a shredder or like some sort of jazz solo guitarist, yep. but like on drums. He's just always busy, always, always doing, doing something. something. Yeah. yeah, like he was never just riding a straight four four unless it meant unless unless it was like on purpose to be sick, you know? Like, well, it, yeah, yeah. Rest, sick, rest, rest in peace. Yeah, super tasty yeah. and just like did his thing and it was cool as fuck. But yeah, fucking Danny Schuler. Hell yeah, man. Um, I'm wondering, Tom, you know some of the the context of these emails. Do we have any that are just like general questions that maybe Chris could weigh in on too? Like. Oh, with the voicemails? Thematically, I guess. Yeah, like sometimes we, I mean, we can just play a voicemail and see what happens. You want to hang out for a bit? Get, like, what's your, some like, what's yeah, your opinion on it. this type yeah, of thing? Yeah, we'll talk some shit. All right. Because uh, what? We've been going for, what, about an hour and... Yeah, we, uh, we're we good. Hour and a half-ish. Like a little voicemail. Not, nothing's and... getting cut. We're just rolling, dude. Yeah, a little voicemail and then we'll tie um, it up, right? All right, we'll start here. Where do I mark that as unread? There you go. And for all you voicemail listeners, we appreciate We're a little inundated with voicemails. Keep them coming, because in the next few weeks, Tom and I are going to do our job and um, play them and weigh in on all of these uh, all right, here, questions and Here's comments. one that's been sitting around for a while. <clears throat> right. Greetings, Heavy Hole Podcast. This is Ezra calling from Texas with another couple of recommendations for y'all. The first one is Drain of Impurities, new album Beneath the Maze of Infinite Equilibrium. This is the solo project of Batu from Cenotaph Turkey, featuring some awesome session awesome session drums from Nikhil T of uh, Anal Stab Wounds, Undeciphered, etc. Uh, this album is super fun, really good brutal death metal with uh, kind of a slower, groovier thing than uh, each of the guys' normal bands. And then the other is a kind of an interesting throwback. It's the re-release of Dark Throne's Goat Lord. Uh, which is an instrumental version of their would have been second album back when they were a death metal band, uh, sort of pre-black metal. It's very cool, doomy, very interesting technical riffs, and uh, sounds nothing like the Dark Throne of the current era. But uh, if you're a fan of Soulside Journey, their debut, I would definitely check this out. Um, I think they released it in the late 90s with uh, some bad production and... Uh, vocals but this is the original instrumental version and you can hear some of the demo chatter too which is very cool uh i really enjoyed it so i uh, hope y'all have a great week 
Thank you, Ezra from Texas, he said, right? Yep. Ezra from Texas. Yeah, he's on, called in a couple times. On the check in. Yes. Yeah. Heavy hole correspondent, Ezra from Texas, on the check in. Um, fun fact Biolich was supposed to do a split tape with Drain of Impurity in the early 2000s. Um, but we just couldn't get it together for a variety of reasons. Um, yeah, it was on our end, not on their end. Yeah, Drain of Impurity, Batu, uh, I, I, I'm gonna mispronounce Batu Chaitan, uh, who we interviewed. We did a whole episode with Batu, uh, of Cenotaph and of Drain of Impurity, um, quite some time ago. Uh, one of our first international interviews, if people want to go back and check that out. I didn't realize this project was still around. Um, he had like some kind of like demo material back in the day. This I got to check out. T Tom, you want to? Yeah, let's yeah, give you a little sample. I'm just totally like, Tom's been feeding me beers, so I'm all off of the format. It's actually sicker than I remember. Um, I really liked that one riff. That was cool, man. Thank you for the recommendation. I'm going to spend a little bit more time with this, um, but that definitely something to bring to the listeners' attention. Yeah, then we... Uh, this Dark Throne, Goat Lord. Um, should okay. we play a bit of that, or you want to... Yeah, well, you know what? I'm interested because I remember when this came out originally, and people thought it was like a joke, because it sounded like a rehearsal tape with dubbed-over vocals. And it, it just didn't have the, it, it was a weird thing. Like, people thought it was kind of a joke uh, release or something. So now I guess there's an official version of it. I, I'm i curious to hear the sound quality. All right. Because I'm a huge fan of Soul Side Journey. I mean, not I get us. it, but also, yeah. like, enough already. You know I, what I mean? I like Dark Throne. I, this is not for I podcasts. get their cultural yeah. significance, and I, you know what I mean? If you got to yeah. be very invested in this band, then, then I can understand needing this. Here's the thing. Their first album, Soul and, you know, just if the listeners don't realize this, their first album, Soul Side Journey, was a more technical, uh, heavy death metal album um, of the era. You know, uh, Scandinavian death metal, maybe a little bit of that technical American death metal. Great death metal album. Uh, one of my favorites. And then after that, they kind of switched it up and did the Norwegian black metal thing, the tinny production, the, the you know, the whole thing. Now they're like the Dark Throne that everyone knows. But that first album was like a death metal album. Right. I guess this is the rehearsals. Here's why, in my personal opinion, as someone who Dark Throne could squash like an ant in terms of our impact on the scene, so I'm not talking We're shit. We're all ants here, man. Respectfully. This doesn't do it for me as a fan of Soul Side Journey, advertised as like the follow-up to that that was never put out. Because A, there's no vocals. It's like a rehearsal tape of instrumentals that you never put the vocals and lyrics to, so it's not even like the full, what the album would have been. And the fact that it's like a rehearsal tape, okay, like that's that's cool like for the fans, for people who really wanted to have everything. Yeah. I don't like that they released the rehearsal tape with like this new beautiful artwork yeah, that stupid. looks like like it's weird that like the the contrast of the of the what you're hearing yeah and this it would actually have been cooler with like a black and white photocopied cover from like a demo it makes back so in the much day. more sense yeah I, I don't know yeah there's just a like it's kind of a disjointed release to me 
Well, haven't listened to it all the way through. This is my first impression. Um, I agree with everything you're saying. This album cover looks like it could be a, like a, a unique leader kind of release, like the the graphic on it. It's like the new In Flames album cover or something. Yeah, like, like or The Last Surruption. All yes, the, that's exactly it. Yeah, which, which is tight. I like it. But, but yeah, it, it is no, mismatched. It's cool as fuck looking. Yeah. But yes, to- totally. I didn't realize yeah. it was it doesn't, that. But it doesn't yeah. suit what yeah, you're yeah, hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Dude, yeah. I fell asleep a million times listening to Transylvania Hunger and... See, I don't even listen to that album. I listen I, to Soul Side Journey. I, and you showed me so, Soul Side Journey. Great Death Metal I found album, that like, you know? oh, here's my pinnacle black metal list from Vice or something. That's how I found the shit. I, I can't fucking pretend that I'm some cult-ass motherfucker. I just like... Just do it for the show. Pretend. Yeah, this, this has a time and place. Ezra, I appreciate you sending this to us. I will give this a listen when we're not doing a show. Fair enough. Yeah, I didn't realize it was demos either. I thought that was 2023 production. I was like, oh, Lord in heaven. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense, though. No. But at the same time, it's on, it's, it's released in 2023 with this album cover. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you're not wrong for thinking this is a new album. Like, if it was maybe like some sort of old, like I said, like an old photocopy demo cover, or a picture of those guys when they yeah. were younger, something to imply that this is the reissue of this demo quality recording. It's not a new studio album. Sure. You know what I mean? Well. But shout to Ezra, our correspondent from Texas. And, you know, we recently had, I had someone coming on the show and they tried to screen their recommendations past me. They were like, I don't know if you want me to recommend this. And I was like, no, man, whatever you recommend, it it uh, encourages conversation. Sure. Yeah, it's what so you're listening to. Yeah. yeah, all good, man. Um, and I also will say the music is probably awesome. It's probably the same type of death metal they were playing at the time, but it's it's a rehearsal tape. Let's not release it with beautiful artwork as an album. It's sure. a rehearsal tape, you know? Yep. Um, and then in the 90s, they had a solution for that. You home dub cassettes <laughs> and just write rehearsal tape on them. But, all right, so moving on, uh, fair enough, fair play to Ezra for, for recommending that. Um, and that Drain of Impurity, that is some really cool, brutal death metal. Kind of pingy, but also you can hear the riffs. A little bit of atmosphere there, man. Um, I know Batu used to do that project with his brother. I don't know if his brother is still involved, but that's that's something for the lore heads. Uh, Chris McCarthy, Eternal Bleeding. Hit me. Uh, missing link. Fuck yeah! Without remorse. Yeah, we're gonna keep our eyes open, man. Thank you for coming down. Is he? Is he? The, he's the first in studio because Ian was like. Whoa. Ian was like. Yeah, you're first in studio since like since he, COVID. You kidding? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Wow, sick. Ian was already no. part of the team. He was a co. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool as fuck. You guys asked me honestly, man. I fucking see a lot of cool cats that you guys have on here. So to be um, considered is really fucking cool. And I've always, you guys have always been fucking super nice to me, and I will. I've been fucking. Hey. Over twenty years, dude. I think. Fucking, yeah. I think twenty-one years we've been knowing each yeah. other and playing the, shows. The Lamore's days were like two thousand two. Time, time flies, yeah. man. I feel like I'm the same age. It's a little weird. My knees hurt, but like I don't feel. I feel like I, I've done much. I. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, I feel like I've drank nothing a lot. too different. Yeah, I mean, like, I've, I've played some cool shows and shit. I just have like a mustache now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, dude. I know what you mean, man. Time flies. I was talking about this with somebody the other day, man. It's like you just. You think you're always going to be playing shows, but you know you, you gotta uh, you know you gotta strike while the iron's hot. You gotta get it while it's there, man. And that's yeah, what man. Doing, I see the little know? fucking window of relevance, and I know that IB um, has so much potential. You know, even before I was in the band, I was like, ah, oh, this band should be fucking huge and sick. And I'm just trying to make it as sick as I can with my input and influence and the opportunity that I've been given. And Prevelis has given me a whole lot of opportunity, so. Corrupting influence. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> that guy. All right. Before we wrap up, man, Prevelis, we've had Prevelis on for his own full episode. The goat. 
Love hey, you guys guy, had man. us on smoke sash. Yeah, it was yeah, fun. Man. Are you guys still doing that? No, we, like, that was a COVID thing. And, yeah. uh, and once it was over, I wanted everybody to go outside. But it was fun, man. We did. We got a lot of hits, and we have a lot of people still ask us about it on tour and shit. Yeah, it was fun, dude. It was, it was, it was awesome. We had I had a great time. time sitting there, man. People sent us a lot of cool fucking free gifts, and we got to bullshit with people, and it was a fun time. Yeah, for good, sure. Yeah, Pravel is a good dude, man. He must have been, once you get to know him, then you, when you really joined the band and everything, man, it must have been interesting having that, like, you know, the image of the guy on stage, and then, like, this kind of, like, uh, you know, elder statesman, cigar smoking, you know, whiskey sampling, uh, you know, gentleman uh, of Chris Pavelis. And then in real I mean? life, he's just a goofy madman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little, a little bit of both, I would say. Man, no, I, I he's like really the he's the guy. He's like one of the only people in death metal that have it together. Yeah. Like you know, and um, loves that. He's car. really he's fucking figured it out, man. He's able to. Yeah, he has a great job. He's able to do it from. He could do it from fucking Antarctica if he has Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so. Yeah. We can go on tour, and he's really dedicated to that, and he's really a special fucking riff writer, and he's got a cool-ass vision, and it's, and he's really given me uh, all the opportunities in the world that I would have never had otherwise. So, yeah, the man. Fair enough. Yeah, shout them. We got to get him back one day. He talked a lot about his job and how he kind of positioned his life in a certain way when we had him on a while ago. I think we had him on for Christmas, like two years ago. Or yeah, something. it was like a Christmas release. Yeah, I told I, him I was doing it. He was like, oh, heavy hole, love those guys. Ah, there it is. I was waiting for the voice. I didn't want to do it first. <laughs> Yo, I'll, bring, I'll bring this rig out, and we'll go do it. We'll, we'll hang out in the deck and smoke cigars. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah Anytime dude. you guys want, man. He, he's always down, man. And Hell he got yeah. a sick-ass pool at his house now, so. Nice. Uh, we'll do that. Do the from the thing. pool. Yes. Heavy hole from the, the, the wet pole. From the Slam a cannonball. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, man. Chris, we're going to leave it off here, man. Uh, any parting words? For fans of your music and listeners of our podcast. Yo, I appreciate you guys. If you ever fucking supported me for fucking, uh, for any amount of time, if you've ever checked out the tunes and you like it, if you ever see my stupid bands live, if you ever said what's up to me at a show, I really fucking appreciate that, guys. This is all I ever fucking wanted to do was be part of this shit and uh, add to it and make sick fucking tunes and fucking travel and smoke weed and do the damn thing. And um, I'm very blessed to be doing it, and I wanted to do it to the sickest version of possible. And, um, you know... That's really it, man. Fucking come say what's up. Come say me at a show. IB, 2023, driven to conquer all, motherfucker. Hell yeah. Everything he said. And uh, we're on Heavy Hole Podcast. We're on Patreon, heavyholepodcast.com, Heavy Hole Podcast on your favorite social medias. Call the voicemail and leave us a voicemail, just like Ezra from Texas did. The number is in the description where you're listening to this. Um, the Tom, did I forget? Shout out to our Heavy Hole Podcast correspondents and co-hosts, the rest of the team, always working hard behind the scenes. Yeah, that's it. I don't think I missed oh, yeah, it's on. one. I did.